0: Hey there, Nightlight. This is Ineash. Hey, Ineash. This is Steven. Steven, I know exactly who Nightlight is. What inspired you to pick this name today?
1: I couldn't think of anything more original. And I I picked it because it's an adorable name for an adorable superhero, which is exactly what I picture like a young Maddie being. But also, she's playing the role of what a Nightlight does. You know, being a candle in the dark, right? She's uh, trying to... Bring a little positivity to this negative perspective that's been going on, right? Is that what nightlights do? If you're on drugs, I guess maybe I don't know.
0: (laughs) Okay, I thought nightlights were—I always assumed nightlights were there to help me uh, not, you know,
1: bump my knees on anything when I go pee. Yeah, they're that too.
0: I mean, they're mainly that.
1: I think I was just picturing, you know, like a literal night at light, or wait, light at night, and uh, you know, then running with the metaphor of darkness and what the light does, and you know, that sort of thing. So really you know creative clever I,
0: yeah I, you know what i agree totally yes <laughs> <laughs> all right let's
1: uh well, oh yes what are
0: we here to do
1: let's uh let's explain that before we start doing it this is our podcast not everything is a clue where you and i talk about alexander Whale's web serial worth the candle indeed it it was written by alexander wales that's why his
0: it's his web serial i'm sorry uh <laughs> we have a patreon where you can support us if you like this thing that we're making and also we link to his patreon as well where you can also support him we do kick back 15 percent of everything that we get to him as well uh and very importantly you should buy his uh his first book which covers the first 42 i think chapters uh and is available for uh, well as of right now, four dollars on Amazon. I don't want to say uh, exactly if that this price will remain indefinitely into the future, but uh, that's what it is now, which is entirely reasonable. Super, and reasonable. y'all should go get
1: it. Yeah, and uh, audiobook I hear is good too. I need to get that on my phone. But working from home, I listen to surprisingly like little stuff these days. So, no, oh, the com- the commute that... is really where it's like where I got most of my like podcasting in. Right, you know, same here actually. Yeah. So, I'll I'll get it, don't worry. I'm looking forward to it. But also I don't know if I want to like start reading the beginning again before I finish it. So, we'll see. Right. Yeah. Seems, Seems like, a little hear, early for that. I hear good things. So, <laughs> I'm I'm we're getting through it. I mean, we're we're pretty good, pretty close now. Oh, this is a perfect segue. So, speaking of hearing good things, sometimes you don't hear good things.
0: Yes, sometimes you are me and you have your um when you're doing your post production at the very end, the last thing you do is do click removal, then do truncate silence, and then you export the whole thing. And uh, I had my click removal settings all fucked up from prior in the week, and I hadn't fixed them and forgot. So uh, the click removal was extremely aggressive and kind of destroyed the audio. Uh, I apologize to everybody. It it, it was not great. Uh, I appear to have a cleaned up version thanks to one of our... Oh, damn it. One of our listeners. Uh, I do know his name. I'm not sure if he wants it said on the air, but uh, you know who you are. And I will uh, thank you on air after I clear it being okay to say your name but uh there's a a slightly cleaned up version that he uh did with his software that he pays money for because he is a sound um producer designer guy he does this for Uh, real (laughs) yes exactly uh so that's going to be uploaded um here in the next 24 hours so you guys will all get it days before you're hearing this thing but uh basically what i'm saying is sorry about the shitty audio quality and i i'm I wanted to go back. Here's the thing: I wanted to go back and fix it, but like I had already run all the things and hit save on the file and closed it, so I couldn't like reopen it and hit Control Z to do undo the things. Uh, so the only thing I could have done is go back to the original uh, raw audio files and reedit everything, which takes about two hours, maybe a little less. But the uh, normally not a problem. Right now, major problem because almost all my free time is spent either doing the podcasts or at my new place, or sorry, my, my girlfriend's new place, which are re, we are renovating right now, and we're going to move in there in two weeks. So I'm in the crunch zone, and I don't have a lot of extra time. And it just, it, it did not get fixed up. And uh, yeah, my apologies. I forgive you. Okay,
1: thank you. On, on behalf of everyone, At least one person does. <laughs> so <laughs> the, the, the crunch time before a move, you know, it sucks and it's stressful, but isn't it kind of like exhilarating? Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for you yeah i i'm really excited to see like the the progress pictures and the before and after because I, I was i toured the before and yes i got like descriptions of all the stuff you guys are going to do so i think you guys turn this place inside out and i'm stoked yeah it's it's it, we didn't take too many pictures but you know what uh we do have a few so
0: i can share them when we're all done yeah, and pictures
1: aren't you know they don't capture everything but
0: yeah yeah all right
1: what is our our second bullet point <laughs> to hit here
0: our second bullet point is that we have a uh, max level cap patron. Uh, we have a, well, the the gimmick is that the number of dollars you uh, give us per month is your level. Uh, because, you know, this whole thing is a role-playing game. And the level cap in the original Dungeons & Dragons was level 20. So we have a now a level 20 supporter, Nick Spargo. Thank you. That is awesome awesome uh you can kick the living crap out of all our other supporters combined because Mm -hmm. power increases exponentially as you level uh we uh, saw what june could do with high
1: level in the last reading so
0: yep totally so uh not not to not to poop on our uh level six um patrons the the, you guys are pretty damn strong too but uh we we now have a you know lich overlord to rule
1: us all well that's outstanding thank you so much um i don't know what to say nick you rock yeah absolutely thanks man
0: okay shall we get into some feedback from some of our listeners none of which are rick this time or sorry nick this time but but they do
1: they do have other names let's do it the first other name is do the math they put out the idea that um like this is regarding utha uther scolding palada i say that three times fast um and the speculation was that there could have been a karma system like in fallout and you know you get positive karma for scolding party members when they do bad stuff but you don't get a karma change when they actually do the bad thing um that that's possible uh th- that would be wild if the game had like an explicit karma system back then that would have more mm-hmm. or less dictated his actions uh, assuming he didn't want to do an evil playthrough right uh, this also seems to suggest that shoving uh Entads into kumduna wasn't bad under this scenario wow that is true karma systems sometimes aren't perfect though they they
0: you can sometimes find things to do that are obviously objectively evil but have not been given a negative point in the uh, system due to some oversight and so you're like oh cool i I can do this without being being bad
1: yeah and there's like weird you know deontological ethics where it's like all right this guy is like a child or like whatever like a slaver and i'm gonna steal his stuff oh no that's negative karma Um, uh right yeah so you know it is what it is but uh, I was just about to say
0: the most common overlooked thing is breaking pots and stealing what's inside them, because <laughs> <laughs> that should be negative karma. Somebody just lost a pot plus whatever was inside it. But
1: eh. and you know, I, I'm just thinking of the the technology progress in the age of like Legend of Zelda, and you know, pots aren't easy. They're you know, they don't come off an assembly line by the millions. You know, right?
0: Yeah. So you got to dig up some clay, and then spin yeah. them and
1: fire them. Yeah. Ruining someone's hard work. Uh, yeah. As a random point in my favor that Arthur's actually awesome, I wanted to just remind, because I kind of remembered, that, you know, unlike June, because we're talking, the the this reading opens up kind of with a reflection on his uh, violence that he's been wigging out on lately. And if we recall, Arthur didn't jump into violent conquest when he started on air. He spent years living as a traveling bard. Yeah, three years, I believe. Yeah. Which, I mean, June's been here like six, eight months or whatever, or four. Like, <laughs> we, can, we can talk about it in weeks or months. And, uh, you know, granted, it, it, I'm sure circumstances are different and everything else has changed, whatever, whatever. But, uh, you know, Uther, I guess, also probably didn't assemble his party, you know, within the first four months if he spent three years being a bard. But uh, yeah. anyway, he seemed like all he wanted to Seems- do was relax until he was forced into action.
0: Yeah, it seems very much like he did not want to do the the hero thing, and eventually the DM got bored and like forced him into it. That's what I'm guessing. Yeah. Well, we also have feedback from Feeping Creature on our website, which is linked also in the show notes in every show. Uh, Feeping Creature says, "Apropos Harry facing down Voldemort with his wand out, mm-hmm. there will be never a better time. There will never be a better time to link this bash.org dot org quote. Uh, it is." A, several uh, excerpts from a, a, I don't know, a thing, a text file that starts with, purely in the interest of science, I've replaced the word wand with wing in the first <laughs> Harry Potter book. And there are quite a few great, uh, just awesome excerpts in there. And, uh, you know, we've, we've kind of been focusing on the the june's dick recently which maybe maybe we should get slightly off the june's dick train but uh one last time here at the beginning of the show we can talk
1: about dick jokes and this had some great ones within it that's amazing uh oh this must not be just the first book because i just opened that to glance at it and he ran onto the field as he fell waved his wang and then he sort of slowed down before you hit the ground then he whirled his wang at the dementors shot silver stuff at them (laughs) (laughs) nice i love it Um, yeah,
0: that definitely was not just the first book.
1: Yeah. All right. We got one here from, uh, Gorky. Um, he starts out by quoting you. uh, Yeah. It's You know, oh, that sounds like something I would say. I have no memory of this. Um, (laughs) I was talking about, uh, oh yeah. Okay. So this was, um, when I was pointing out that I didn't like how the, the court was like, you know, when did you become aware of Larkspur's death? And she's like, well, I first read about it. And they're like, ah, 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 when did you first become aware of it? And I didn't like right. that nitpicky nonsense and mm-hmm. Gorky correctly points out that uh you know the first thing I listed at the beginning of her trial was uh say she didn't desert the host because she technically never reached the edge of the exclusion zone and <laughs> like so you know it, as long as we're looking at like technically I gotcha as she tried that first as her opening gambit, but yeah you know valid point, but i uh, you know kind of like with uh you know June straight up cheating by reading bringing, bringing a super soaker full of whatever fire acid and uh hacking all of his his skills up to 100 you know during that fight we like it when i side cheats uh yeah i the you know the the court and i think mainly it's like i probably have just like the image of the wiz and and they're like oh well murder is bad so i think we should put hermione in azkaban and like they're a bunch of you know idiot simple simpletons and uh so I think I think I'm biased because of that, but also um, you know, Raven doesn't think highly of the court. And so I'm I'm kind of inclined to take her word for like 'cause she's she's been around you know and seen some stuff. Mm-hmm. So I guess what I'm saying is like I already don't like them. I, I am wearing protagonist goggles and I totally acknowledge that. But even so, I think that there's textual uh reason to say that the court sucks and uh Amarilla's <laughs> cheating is fine and, and them cheating isn't. So I am with you on that. But if we're talking fairly, I can't argue with you, Gorky, you're right. So yeah, I, I should probably yeah. just cool down i feel like i'm getting a little heated that's uh that's a great segue because that's
0: the name of our next chapter <laughs> what a coincidence
1: How be damned
0: uh yes chapter 192 cool down starts with raven talking to june and uh i guess trying to trying to cool him down because he's uh he's still all head up from the uh, from the duel possibly like he's he this seems to be very much an unwind and um, examine June's motives and uh, chastise him for possibly being a bad person chapter which you know I- I'm okay with because I find that kind of thing enjoyable to read so uh, Raven s- tells June that he's being erratic she says uh, part of that is being impulsive the other part is disregard for other lives and June defends himself saying that Bethhel forced herself on me and that feeling of fear and powerlessness of confusion, it kind of fucked with me. And uh, I I don't know. I I don't want to get into defending or attacking or saying who's right or who's wrong here, but uh, I do want to point out that as long as they are talking about being erratic and impulsive and disregarding other lives and bringing Bethel into it, Bethel was also extremely impulsive with a just... very crass disregard for other lives and it this blends more credence to the theory that his companions are like different aspects of him kind of magnified
1: i like that you pulled that out and it it's it brought to mind uh bethel cutting off june's finger or uh, raven's fingers mm-hmm. you know just in a fit of like why won't you listen to me um and well and i guess she also didn't like raven because they'd met before but uh anyway bethel cuts off raven's fingers in a fit of rage um june cuts some guy's fingers off not in a fit of rage but in the in a violent attack but he yeah, self-defense yeah basically self-defense i mean you know he lashed at like everybody near him but i think it's self-defense in that situation <laughs> given given where he was at but he reattaches the guy's fingers right uh, So that's that's true so like june june righted that wrong as best he could but bethel preemptively cut off like a not enemy's fingers just because she was mad and so, you know, you know, maybe this is uh, what is that called? Not numerology. There's some you know, basically Bible word search. Where if you're a nut job, you can uh, comb through the Bible. And uh, I think that is some form of numerology. I've, I think I've you're heard right. It yeah, called like the Bible code in the book. That's but- right. Yeah. So I think it is numerology. Anyway, so it I might be basically that because I'm like, oh look, fingers here, fingers there. Uh, <laughs> but you know, this is uh, it's not quite as as nutty as numerology so I, I certainly agree with you that bethel is a lot worse than june i just like the the parallel um yeah but huh yeah that
0: was That's, okay we'll, cool
1: we'll think about it and there's something i forgot to pull out that is relevant to keep in mind um just kind of throughout this whole conversation uh that june hasn't slept since bethel and all that stuff went down
0: yes but also the interesting thing like Obviously, anyone in without magic who hadn't slept would be absolutely fucking frazzled uh, and possibly out of their mind at this point. But like he has a magic item that makes it so he doesn't have to sleep. So I'm assuming that uh, it's it's fair to assume that he's functioning as well as a normal
1: person with a full night's sleep is all the time. Totally. Yeah. No, I think that he's well rested, but he doesn't get that like hours long hiatus of from thinking that the rest of us get. You know, Does it count so as an iron's long hiatus if you aren't conscious? I, I sort of think so. I mean, you know, great to do brains doing stuff. You're probably having nightmares or whatever, but like you're, you're doing something while you're unconscious. And if, you know, he's just laying awake at night, waiting for his, his teammates to wake up, probably ruminating on this stuff. I don't know. I just think like, you know, maybe it's cause I'm tired tonight, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, when, when you're, when you, when you're actually asleep, you get like this chance to kind of like chill out and reset your brain, but he's kind of been never not on high alert Maybe that's what I'm getting at. It's like when you're asleep, you're kind of definitionally not on high alert. Okay, got it. Yeah. And he's, yeah, just been, okay. He might be in that some more much- or less. Oh, no, wait, he did sleep. He got that nice nap uh, for a few minutes. Oh, right. Yeah. For think, like four or five hours, I think. Yeah, that's a good point. So, yeah, he, uh, you know, he, he got some rest. Okay. Uh, objection withdrawn. <laughs> he's gotten some rest every time he's put the sleep ring on
0: he just didn't have to sleep to get the rest
1: well i guess i was just thinking like he, he got some unconscious time so my whole thing of like well he never got time to unconsciously process but uh
0: so so wait he was being attacked before his unconscious time and he like woke up and was immediately thrown into being tortured but the fact that he had that unconscious time between that it made it made it, it like be restful
1: it, it when when i'm joking totally uh, oh, okay. I, yeah, okay. Cool. Maybe maybe the the grin on my face wasn't coming through. Um, I, I think it makes my argument kind of just like meh or <laughs> moo, however we want to say it. <laughs> right. Okay. Cool. Um. All right. So. so
0: yeah, Raven is basically telling June that you got a lot of contempt built up inside you, and everybody can see it, and this is a bad thing, and I. If this is true, then I absolutely agree with her because personally, I think contempt is like one of the most dangerous emotions there is. Like contempt and uh, like true jealousy, I, I think are the two really bad emotions uh, that that humans have. And um, like on a personal level, it's just unavoidable death for every relationship. And on a wider society level, it's well, I mean, it's just as bad. <laughs> it, it's it's awful. And if June is feeling contempt frequently, then maybe that is something that he should address because sooner rather than later.
1: Yeah. I could probably go on and on about that, but short version is I agree. Um, You know, I don't think it's possible, you know, maybe I don't quite know what contempt means, but if I do, it's, you can't uh, think of somebody as like a, you know, a real person with their own goals and values and loved ones and, you know, favorite, food and whatever and have contempt for them like contempt is like this thing that you have for somebody who is definitionally beneath you and like categorically yeah and you know so you're like All right i've decided you're not in my moral sphere um and it that that's a that seems just terribly toxic yeah um i you know june i think he's he's trying to I loved his answer. He's like, I'm, I'm, I'll try not to be flippant. Cause that's probably the kind of thing you're talking about. But like, you know, you think my contempt for the people who kidnapped me is misplaced. Oh, and I haven't even gotten to that whole being kidnapped and tortured thing. Uh, Cause he's like rattling off the list of things. And, um, you know, I think it's uh, like Raven said, it was hard for like, she, she did show contempt for the council. And I think I totally get it. You know, they're, they're mm-hmm. wiping Luther's legacy or they're wiping their ass with Luther's legacy. Every time they get up there. And, yeah. uh, it's hard for she her. She
0: was there fighting alongside him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's not like she just really likes this guy from the history books. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and, but it's weird. Like, you know, would my little mental model of nightlight still not feel contempt for the kidnappers if she woke up in that prison? Like at some point you do have to like, all right, you're not a human anymore because I need to turn my sensors off and destroy you. Right
0: yeah like, but i think you can
1: have that without contempt possibly i think you're right I, I i guess i'm i'm trying to cut june some slack but the way that she that raven describes it that's kind of what uther did you know and maybe he was putting on a show it's entirely possible especially if he's doing a paladin playthrough kind of thing but like uh he seemed to carry the weight of every death right
2: yeah and like
1: he, he didn't he didn't love doing it you know granted i don't know if june loves the act of killing but you know what's awesome is like you remember how hilarious last couple chapters were yeah like it i think that that was brilliant writing by alexander because it makes us have to look at ourselves the way that you know raven's asking june to look at himself Mm. because like we we loved when he's you know saying he's going to make onion a vegetable and when he when he blows <laughs> the smithereens and then when he when he super soakers him with acid and like yeah. it we laughed and cheered right alongside him uh and then Raven's like you know that's kind of a dick move like he had kids um and it's like well i bet he was a bad dad it's like well that's what everyone says you know about their political enemies and um but it's like oh yeah i didn't even think about the fact that like he might have had people that he loved you know um, uh, i i was just loving watching him get destroyed so like i i'm in june's shoes it's great
0: yeah and i think it's good to have this sort of like chapter afterwards to, to look back on
1: this and you know feel some contempt for ourselves well i i'm gonna i will uh f- i will fight steadfastly that if i'm gonna say that contempt is bad for uh, just regarding other people it is absolutely a bad way to regard yourself yes i was you know i was making a ha ha oh i know but just just to okay. be clear Okay, no, cool. no self-loathing allowed.
2: Mm, you, all right,
1: you, I'll- everybody who's listening, you are great, and if you want to be greater, you can be. But don't you think you suck for one second? That's right. I'm putting on the nightlight vibe. Oh, cool! I and thought you were doing the Keanu Reeves thing. But d- when does he say
0: that? D- uh, someone he went up on stage. Oh, and someone you're breathtaking! Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. I love it. I actually have that as a reaction like emoji on Slack that I use for thank oh, you. Oh, Sweet. Yeah. Cool but anyway yeah people with you guys don't. yeah
0: it, it the, the, i mean the whole thing did get me kind of thinking about like do i show contempt for people and i guess like sometimes i do more generally online than anywhere else which i think is just what online interactions are are made for almost but i i try to i guess i try to hide it sort of with humor and like poke people a bit and um it's it's a lot more fun to kind of mock someone for being a douchebag than just to get angry at them but then i'm like oh shit am i am i hiding my contempt with contemptuous humor that's that seems just as bad and maybe i shouldn't do that
1: at least it's a different it's a completely different class of attitude and behavior than what june's doing because you know when you're it's like yelling at somebody on on in traffic um Louis C.K. had a great bit about that where it's like, you know, if somebody makes you swerve for a second, you know, because they didn't put on their signal, you'll yell at them like, you piece of shit. I hope you fucking die. And, <laughs> you know, you maybe go like this for a second, you know, just like kind of shift. And he's like, could you imagine if somebody like, you know, grazed your shoulder in an elevator? you and you turned to them and said that like no um <laughs> right. yeah but you know a car you're not looking at a human you're looking at like this you know object right and so i i, I assume just because people get a lot more scared
0: about you know one ton things hurtling at 40 miles an hour that's probably a
1: good part of it too but i mean i, I think that you know like i get i get freaked out on the road um but it's like i see people get mad at people uh, i mean there's there's subreddits of of you know idiots in cars and stuff um Mm. where people uh outrage porn masturbate to this stuff you know Um, okay so you know it could be that it's kind of like training on that fear instinct or something but i guess i bring that up because like you know people will will scream at cars more than like they'll scream at like the driver you know who has kids and parents and you know pets and all that stuff, yeah. drives and ambitions, but yeah. it, when you're when you're arguing somebody on, on the internet, that's even a whole other level removed. You know, it's like I see words on a page, mm-hmm. and it's like there's, you know, there's not a person here. Like there is, there there in fact is, but not to your brain. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I think I think all that machinery that's you know wired for compassion and and that sort of stuff, like you have to really consciously engage it during online discourse and it's because it's so easy just to turn it off in fact it, i think the default state is off you know if arab had an internet
0: i swear like every village or, or, or dwarfhold or whatever would probably need to have like a clergy class of just like two three maybe four people and they're the ones who can access the internet and tell everybody else about what's on it and everyone is like oh oh my god i hope my son isn't chosen to be a to be the next priest because then he will live this cursed life of always being outraged and tormented (laughs) and slowly going insane. And like the, they won't even realize it's happening because it it seems like a perfectly logical thing to get so angry at these other demons on the internet. But maybe in a more sane world, we'd find some way to restrict the mental damaging effects of communicating on the internet to just a few people and, uh,
1: damn them in our place. We'll get there. You know, if, if, (laughs) if Facebook, you know, if their metaverse takes off and everyone has digital avatars or whatever, like, I think if you're looking at somebody that is human shaped while you're talking with them, you know, some facsimile thereof that, that might actually trigger more compassion, um, you know, in some people, it might not in others. I woke up really early this morning. I couldn't get back to sleep. So I was playing video games before work. And for the first time in years, someone called me a faggot when I was playing online multiplayer. And sweet I, I haven't even heard the word in years and <laughs> i was like guy right, chill out man it's a game like we're all on here having fun what what is what is your deal and mm. he he was just like taking it angry serious and stuff and i'm like yeah, this is a game man you gotta you gotta relax uh, yeah but anyway so i guess i bring that up because uh maybe my whole thing of like well maybe online interaction will be better like maybe it won't maybe, maybe in fact it'll be much worse
0: i have no idea Doofcast has like a paid uh, subscriber content and the Freeman brothers sometimes talk to each other about new tech stuff. And in a recent one, they were talking about VR and uh, VR games. And there's apparently an MMO in, in VR right now, who you can hear is based entirely on who is close to you in the video game. There's no way to mute someone or, or ignore them. It's just, if they're near you, you can hear them and vice versa. But he said, the really fascinating thing was that like, when you're in VR and it feels like you're a your real space with real people, like nobody was acting like the typical online asshole. There was some, some psychological click over that happened that was more like, oh, these are real people and I should treat them like real people. And I thought that was just like, that blew my mind. I did not expect that to be what what happened. So I'm excited to to maybe try this out and see it happen in real life some at some point. Yeah,
1: there's a... It looks like kind of the graphics from a Game Boy, uh, but like that less wrong um, uh, universe thing that has the similar rules. Um, did you ever try that what? place out? It was like a playground thing. I'd have to.
0: Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about.
1: Yeah. I will uh, have to see if I can find the name of it. Um, but that was
0: a, yeah, a top down like 16 bit yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. And there, there was no view. like
1: human fidelity on that. But yeah, the, the walled garden. Um, That's right. Yeah. So, but anyway, I, I did like the proximity factor of it. You know, you could just wander up to a conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, that was kind of fun. That was neat. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because on, on the one hand, I'm hundred percent in Raven's camp. So I want to agree with her and just be like, yeah, June, you need to get your shit together. But on the same time, it's like, it's easy for us to be our best selves who, you know, is capable of loving everybody and appreciate that everyone has lot, you know, lives that matter and the intrinsic value, et cetera, et cetera. But when you're escaping from a torture prison, it's probably a good time to yes. take off that lens and attach your rampage goggles. And yeah. like, cause you know, if he's, if he's breaking his way out of prison and like those two guards that he comes across, like, did he need to use lethal force? He even says, no, probably not. But you know, if he's making that calculation that everybody's coming across, he could lose and he just escaped torture. Like,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: and the attempt, you know, the it's, it's basically, I want to say like, one degree higher than attempted murder, but not quite murder of solace, you know? Um, yeah. And uh, it's like, okay, these people aren't fucking around. I can't fuck around either. So it, it's I, tough. Yeah.
0: I, I agree that everything he did in that situation was fine. I, I think maybe she's trying to get at like deeper underlying things that uh, are within him all the time. And not just, not just, it's referring to that one thing. That's
1: a good point. And you know, they're the last, I'll hit on that is that even at his worst, I don't imagine him ever tying somebody to a wall, cutting them 30 times then bringing in a little girl and shooting her in the face because he doesn't like the answers he's getting. Right. Yeah. Granted, he'll soul rape somebody, which, uh, well, no, it is less which bad. Which will get into. Yeah. Um, it's, it's only less bad because he doesn't bring in an innocent little girl and shoot her in the face, right? Um, well, also, you can get better from being soul raped, and you can't get better from being shot in the head unless you're solace. Right. So, you know, I, I, I'm gonna, i going to at least at his worst, he's not worse than half the people that he's been forced, or, you know, some of the people he's been forced to kill recently. So Yeah. Okay. Uh, soapbox. I'll stop off my soapbox and take a drink of water.
0: So Raven says, From what I know about you, you're more a creator than Uther ever was, but there's this anger in you and you're letting it free. And that kind of stopped me for a second, because I'm sort of a fan of anger. Uh I am very fond of the the line that anger is a gift. Uh it often can motivate you to do things you wouldn't otherwise do, although very much a double edged gift, because sometimes in retrospect you shouldn't have done those things. Like I, I guess what I'm asking is, would you give up anger if you could?
1: Uh, if wh- you had- Where's the quote, anger is a gift from? Is it just I like a saying? It,
0: yeah, I first heard it in the Rage Against the Machine song, but I mean, it's it's been around. It's not from them.
1: Oh, you know, that actually helps contextualize why someone would ever say that. Because, you know, if you're not mad at the unjust system, what's going to motivate you to change it? You know, right? your sense of duty, um, your sense of, of moral responsibility, like maybe. It'd be great if that yeah. was enough, but sometimes you need to be mad to start throwing bricks. Uh, exactly, but you know, I—I I don't know. I don't get angry that much in my real life. Uh, you know, I, yeah, I get like either. annoyed if uh, you know some home project. You know, I'm stripping a screw instead of unscrewing it or something, right? But like, I don't remember the last time I like yelled at a human. Um, <laughs> so. I, you know, I, I've yelled at like a wall or a screwdriver, you know, in the last year or something, but, um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, you know, w- would I give it up? Um, I, I guess just in exchange for nothing, just in exchange for not having anger. I think so. Yeah. I think I'll oh, be fine okay. with that. Like, I think that everything that anger does for me, and I'm just lucky that I don't live in like, you know, under the, I mean, I'm technically under the boot of whatever capitalism or something. Right. But I can't, I can't find it myself to be angry about that. So like, um, you know, if I, if I had a heavier boot on top of me, I might want to keep my anger. Um, yes, but I'm, I, I guess I would be fine giving it up because everything that it motivates me to do, I can find other and better reasons to do it. And I would also hope that everyone can attain like a level of, uh, not whatever a light enough boot on them (laughs) where they, where they can, uh, make the same trade-off. Right. Yeah. What about you?
0: Yeah. I don't think I would give it up. I think it's very important, and it's there for a reason. And I realize that I'm I'm setting myself up for a massive failure by that because, like, I- ideally you'd be able to can hold back your anger and not do crazy things. Um, but like, that's the whole point of anger, right? It's it's there to push you to do stupid things if you get angry enough. And so there's always a risk that something's going to happen to make you angry enough, and you do something you don't want to and for that reason you should get rid of anger entirely, but I, I think the motivational utility that it has is strong enough
1: that I wouldn't want to get rid of it. No, I, I think that's I think they're both completely defensible positions. And you know, for what it's worth, knowing you in real life, I've never seen you like express real anger. I've seen you um like politely, you know, impassionedly, uh, or I guess with passion be you know like these people are wrong or something, right? Mm. But like, you know, when I picture anger, I picture someone red in the face and, you know, yelling at traffic. And I can't I can't imagine you doing that. Um Yeah, no, I so I think almost never yeah, I think anger is kind of a broad term, but uh you know, indignant motivation. Um yeah, I could see tossing that out. Uh but I, I see what you're getting at. Okay. Yeah.
0: Well um june is thinking about uh his anger control issues and such and one of the things he says is that he doesn't really care about smashing flies and he says i'm sure that some perfect person would try to capture the fly and release it into the wild so that it could live its own life without irritating them anymore and i I really hate that kind of thing, and that—that is why I had to pull it out because it made me angry, and therefore motivated me to talk about
1: it. Oh yeah, you used all caps here for in part of your note, so that is you yelling. Okay, yeah,
0: Yeah, (laughs) it is. I I, I, all caps the word especially. I said I find this super annoying, especially with pests like mice or possibly a fly in June's case here, because like (laughs) the ideal is like, oh yeah, you know, I'll capture it and I'll let it go free, and then it won't bother me anymore, but it, it. it's a pest it doesn't ever just scamper off into the wild blue yonder to live a happy life it's going to scamper off and uh destroy your neighbor's house or give your neighbor some disease like if you if you don't eliminate the pest you're literally just making it someone else's problem and Mm -hmm. doing damage to them instead it's i think maybe this is a little bit of an exaggeration, but, <laughs> but this is anger motivated
1: thinking. I love it. <laughs>
0: yes. But for a fact, it's very much like if you have a pedophile priest in your church and instead of doing something to make him not be a priest anymore and remove him from the community, you just, you, you catch the pedophile priest and then you release him into a different church where he will not, you know, bother you guys anymore. You, you've you just made him the problem of those other people in that other church and it's the same kind of thing like if you catch and release a mouse the mouse is just going to be uh destroying someone else's property or making them sick and you're basically the equivalent of a pedophile enabling
1: bishop if you (laughs) catch and release mice you heard here first um (laughs) yes no I, i love the analogy i i think that there is like kind of an essential difference like we we do have other options like for mice and other options for uh you know, priests, like, you know, the, the pedophile molesting ones, you know, mm-hmm. uh, prison has its own justice system for chimos, right? Uh, what are chimos? Uh, hey, I finally know an, abri- an abbreviation that, because you're always using, like, you know, shorthands for things that I don't know about. It's short for child molesters.
0: Um, oh, yeah. that makes
1: sense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but, uh you know, like, anyway, prison and prisoners don't like them either. So they tend to get their comeuppance in prison as well. Um, Yeah. But you know, I was going to say like the mouse is just trying its best to be its little mousy self. And you know, you kind of moved into its neighborhood, but I know what you're going to say is like, well, the the pedophile priest is just doing his thing too. Um, (laughs) And honestly,
0: the mouse, I, it is just trying to do its best to do its mousy thing, but it's mousy thing is damaging my house and giving me diseases.
1: So I think that, uh, like, imagine if you had a button that teleported the mouse 30 miles from your house or like to its ideal habitat, dozens of miles Mm -hmm. away, and it wouldn't go to your neighbor's house. Like, so you could press that button or you press the button that obliterates it. Um, I think that like that, that's probably closer to what Raven's trying to get at here. Cause she's not saying like, you know, you need to move mountains, you know, you you should have found a way to like win the fight without killing onion or something, or, you know, not killed Zinnia. Uh, Oh yeah. But you know, it, it's like if, if June could have just pressed a button, like say he did know the Konami code for, uh, um, God mode. Mm -hmm. And he went into God mode and ripped Zinnia, you know, into a million pieces and it hurt the whole time. Like, would that be, if, if he did that with all of his power, rather than just like made that day not happen, or, or whatever. Like, I think that's, that's kind of where, in fact, that's kind of why actually it's really important for him to be having these thoughts because it's like some, you know, sometime in the not too distant future, he might be in the driver's seat for the universe. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, we can't have you being a, a, a vengeful person who has contempt for like a lot of people. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you, our God you, should not be a vengeful God. Right. That, that sounds awful. Um, yeah. so I think that that's kind of where she's trying to get, but, uh so I I only bring that up to challenge the analogy because uh it's it's not so much asking like what would you do in real life it's what would you do with infinite power and yeah. in in real life and that's also where June is constrained too he's he's answering it at the object level of like um you know here's what I did here in my you know like yesterday because I had to right not mm-hmm. what I would do if I was you know all powerful uh
0: okay i see, i see what you're saying and i think that's a darn good point actually that we are thinking about the abstract, all powerful things, and I was taking it much more on the you know
1: realistic, what what could I do without magic? Well, in, things. in your defense, Which Raven isn't talking go. about it explicitly in that con- in the you know the giant things context. Um, yeah, I I framed it that way, um, like because they're smart. Well, and I I don't know it fit better with my argument i guess maybe too but because um, <laughs> you're smart and you want it to win i guess but the uh so you know you're reading the book and i'm i'm reading something else i guess
0: <laughs> i the, the, the whole point of this podcast is to be reading something else while we're reading the book perfect yes so let's get back into the book uh real quick june points out to us for the first time that um this is the first time i thought of this at all when he we said it i guess partly because we just weren't told this before so we couldn't have known but he he points out that it's entirely possible onion raped a young woman so that he could bait her father into a fight and then kill him uh and with that being put out there actually i'm really glad that onion is dead and i kind of wish his death had been
1: more painful you know on the plus side he died three times and the second one hurt a lot so yeah you know, literally burned to death yeah you know so jump and, and it you know it, like burnt to death while trying to put it out you know it probably took like a mm-hmm. minute um mm-hmm. and you know so I'm, I'm slipping right back into rampage goggles but you know <laughs> assuming that this this story is true like yeah. you know, fuck this guy and it, it's it's impossible not to feel that that feeling right maybe this is the, this is the anger you're talking about so i yeah i i guess i have you know i guess indignation and anger are like the same you know so close as to be inseparable so i definitely know what you're talking about um i'm not some like weird monk who doesn't get indignant at shit right um (laughs) but as you pointed out like
0: that's only if this is true and like we were both of us were like really angry and being like yeah fuck this guy i'm glad he died and raven points out you know it's 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 really easy to make someone hateable if you're allowed to say anything you want and nobody actually knows the truth and i'm like okay okay i guess ravens being the voice of reason again people do this all the time uh against you know jews or random tweeters or whoever it is they hate just spread absolute bullshit lies and uh and, and get people to hate them
1: yeah i liked her phrasing of it you know it's easy to make a person hateable if you're allowed to say whatever you like about them if no one actually knows the truth about those involved yeah i think that that, that is how like anger cancel mobs work right uh, mm-hmm. i heard about being dad like one or two or three years ago. Uh, oh yeah. Me, they they talked about him on the on the very bad wizards podcast. And like, uh, you know, nobody knew about this guy and, you know, or nobody knew him. Right. I think he was some mm-hmm. minor celebrity or something, but uh, you know, everyone's, everyone's got their opinion. Everyone's pissed. And it's like, you know, you guys have all the context of 280 characters from Twitter. Like, yeah, it, maybe you don't have enough to form an opinion here. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's great because, like, Raven is like me when I'm feeling charitable, which I'd like to think is almost all the time in real life. Um, it is. You're a great person. Well, thank you. That, okay. it's weird. I,
0: Let me rephrase that. <laughs> you're a great person when I'm around. Maybe when I'm not there, you kick puppies and stuff.
1: Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. So you, you, you're willing to acknowledge <laughs> that that's possible. Um, yes. No, I, I appreciate it. It's just I don't know how to accept a compliment. Um, no. I, I try to be nice. Uh, but it's... You know, I like my fiction to be morally black and white so I can gleefully clap when my homeboy smashes a dude with the force of a planet, <laughs> right? Right. Um, in, in real life, I'd, I'd like to think I'd absolutely be making the point she's making. But then I'm wondering, like, if Arab actually works like Earth, you know, because I still have in the back of my mind, you know, the evil NPCs from the first few chapters, you know, Fuchsia Coterie grunts defeated. Mm-hmm. You know That was his name. And yeah, <laughs> like... Granted, the game changed after a while, and it started giving us the names of the mooks he's killing, um, yeah. and it, and that is a humanizing thing. But for a while, it wasn't. So I'm wondering if like the the game interface changed, like to you know, because it realized like, oh, okay, let's this will help humanize the people he's killing, or if it's like that really just was what those people were. They were just fuchsia coterie grunts, and that was their entire life. They existed the second they were created on that plane. Um,
0: yeah maybe i mean maybe that is the case and then as june got more and more into this game the dm got more and more into it and so he like schlossed lost a whole background into existence and you know everybody now has a full life
1: and history stretching back 40 years when uh originally in the first chapter they didn't yet yeah it's possible i there's also you know maybe like if you're in the host you know it's you know your rank becomes your name or something right like, mm, yeah. you know you're you're now a soldier you're not you're not Inyash anymore you're soldier number two like yeah so it could be something like that but um it i don't know the, the, what I like about it is like you know Raven says you know do you think it's hilarious that flux cried because you cut an onion <laughs> and, and, <laughs> that, was,
0: that was i had i how can you not laugh on reading that it was I know. hilarious
1: it's perfect like it yeah. it's it's uh I mean, it, it was a test and June and I failed and you. So I'm glad all of us, you know, probably didn't pass that test. Um, I think but, Raven failed to pass that test by keeping a straight face. You know, that's that L training that she has. Uh, yeah. Or maybe no, that's she was the laughing Inside are, are the ones who are. She probably got some of that, you know, practiced from her dad or whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. She, she that's funny. You know, unless you're mm-hmm. actually feeling super charitable, which she probably actually is. And she probably wasn't actually laughing, but. Uh, yeah.
0: yeah. All right. <laughs> but yeah, I was just thinking that, you know, somebody could just as easily have spun that same kind of story about June, uh, that, uh, you know, he's this violent, terrible person and that, uh, he raped a house or something. And, you know, it, if you can say whatever you want about a peeper person, then you could make him look
1: just as bad as Onion, especially based on the stuff he's done in Arab. 100%. You know, if, uh, if Hyacinth got to write, you know, got to brief somebody on him, and she yeah. got to give the cliff notes that she wanted. She wouldn't even have to mm-hmm. lie. You right. know? Yeah. he He's uh, he's involuntarily soul raped. Well, I guess there's... Well, there's consenting soul rape, I suppose. But, um, you know, there's soul fucking. Whatever. Right? There we go. He's he, he, he soul raped a handful of people. There's soul um, intercourse. Right. There's soul intercourse. Like what he and Amaryllis practice when they're doing their message stuff, you know? Um, yeah. But, no, I mean, yeah. This guy, he's a soul rapist. He's a murderer. He's, he's the kind of person who will gleefully enjoy a murder um you know you could sell that as you know make him as bad as you want without telling one fib um so it's it's uh it does kind of make you wonder like you know i thought this onion guy sucked um Mm -hmm. and it's hard to think that (laughs) he i don't know i mean like i mean to june's point he's saying as
0: so long as i kill the people that even through proper moral reasoning i should kill them and i don't kill anyone else then like why does it matter if maybe i took some glee in his death like it's he was a bad person that needed to be killed and it was good that i killed him is it that big a deal that i was happy doing that and i i mean i kind of think i'm on his side like don't don't make people feel bad and make them feel all tortured about doing something that uh had to be done like doing a good thing shouldn't be
1: punished right maybe it's great cuz This is a tough question. Like, I think it matters because it does speak to the kind of person you are. And, you know, she's talking to her friend and she, and she's also, I think, I think the subtext is she's talking to the future possible God of the universe and she wants to make sure he's not the kind of person who, you know, will kill people who need killing and have a great time doing it. Right. Uh, Yeah. But, you know, you want your friends not just to do good things, but to be good people. And it, but this isn't an argument for utility, so it's blasphemy. It's blasphemous morality to our crowd, <laughs> and I and I understand wow. that. But like, I guess picture, you know, and you don't have to necessarily be torn up with guilt about it. But you know, the person who stoically enlisted in World War II to go fight the Nazis, who are you know the perfect the perfect example of all things evil, so we don't need to feel bad about killing them. Like, mm-hmm. on the one hand, you've got the guy who went out, did the job, and came home, and doesn't like to talk or think about it whatever. And then you have the inglorious bastards who went out and just had a ripping good time for months while they went out and scalped a bunch of Nazis. And (laughs) like, uh, I, I, I loved the movie. I loved watching them kick ass. I don't Mm -hmm. know if I'd want to have them over to my house for dinner and regale their stories, you know, just because they, they were able to dehumanize these people enough who granted probably deserved it. Um, but And it's like, oh, man, that's that's how they can treat people that are outside their moral sphere. Uh, That's that's a little unsettling, even though it it happens to have worked out where they're only killing people who need killing. Uh, Yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm coming from. But at the end of the day, uh,
0: no, I see your point. It's a really good point. I, I share your your intuition there.
1: But it's, it's not a util- – well, I guess it's a utility argument in, like, the hypothetical outcome where they might kill the wrong person or something. But I think I, mean, it's, I would even it's push actually, it to, like, a virtue thing where it's, like, you don't want to be the kind of person who loves killing people.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think it is a utility thing because act utilitarianism, I think, is kind of dumb because no human can figure out the utility of every single act on the fly or even necessarily with a lot of time to um to examine which is why I'm a, a rule utilitarian, where you figure out the rules that generally have the best utility overall, and you stick to those rules. It's not quite the ontology, because it's informed by utilitarianism, but it's basically the same kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think- Some people
0: would call it like virtue utilitarianism, because the rules are the virtues you try to instill in people. You know,
1: all, all different shades of the same color that's the thing with basically every moral framework is they all point in the same direction on most things um you know i know that like not all of them and not everything but like most of the time it's like should i kick this puppy like they're all gonna say no um you know it and most moral decisions are like that it's like those game, like video games where they're like oh we're gonna give you moral choices do you kill the little girl or you know do you like rescue her and it's like that's not a moral dilemma you know i do you think i mean i kind of think that may honestly just be our
0: opinion because we are you know of the west i recalled that um uh confucian morality was very big on duty to the point where um if a son uh disrespected his father or something along those lines um like the father if the father tells the son to go do something uh illegal like go kill the neighbor and take his cow if the son doesn't do it uh then the son should still be punished for not uh listening to his father because that is that is one of the rules under confucianism you must listen to uh to what your your father orders you to do uh and if he does do what his father says then he should be punished for murdering the person and so like either way you're fucked and confucianism says this is okay sometimes the world is just fucked You broke one rule or the other, and you're going to be punished, and that kind of sucks for you. But oh well, and you know that's that's just such a strange morality. But there were an entire you know civilization of people who lived by that and thought it was correct.
1: Yeah, it's it's a bummer because most of my like ethical or my my education on ethics is from you know uh, the Western uh, world, you know, Greek mythology and onwards, or Greek uh, era and onwards. Like, yeah. but I got to think that there's probably something in Confucian ethics that says the father shouldn't order his son to do that.
0: Like, yes, the father should be punished for having ordered the son to do that, and the son should be punished for not
1: having uh followed his father's orders. So, I mean, like, it's it, it's fucked up and weird. It is, but I can see where it's going. It's like no, you you listen to your parents, or at least your father, because men count or something. I'm assuming is you know is implicit yeah. in this, but like you know that that's a that's a hallowed virtue amongst many people in the west as well it made the top 10 um like (laughs) yes but nowadays in the west if someone were to
0: disobey their father when he ordered them to do that then the father would you know be punished for ordering a murder and the son would not be punished at all yeah because he did the right thing by not listening to him because moral progress is a thing well okay sure i guess
1: yeah I, I think I that mean, there, there probably aren't or, these practicing Confucians either, you know, who...
0: E- either that or morality has degenerated to the point where we no longer punish sons for not listening to their fathers, right? I'm, like, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that.
2: <laughs>
1: but you're right. If I was really into that, then I would be pissed that we're we're falling apart. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's... I forget how to jump back into this, so...
0: <laughs> we went off on a tangent. Let's get back to it. Um, what were we saying? oh yes okay so raven points out that she thinks uh he jumped to soul fucking zinnia quite a bit sooner than he had to and really gained almost nothing from it and that he did that specifically because he felt nothing but contempt for her and it made him happy to warp her and hurt her and june thinks about that and he says you know yeah or not to her but to us i had wanted the visceral satisfaction of crushing the life from her and instead, I had gone with snark and pretending like it was holy and entirely necessary to soul fuck her. And I think June is having a come to Jesus moment here, where uh, he, he's he's realizing that he did do bad. And I think it's a really good thing that he is having this revelation. But like um, normally, if you're having one of these come to Jesus moments, you don't want it to happen because you soul raped and killed someone. <laughs> So it's it's you you want that to happen before those kinds of things go down. Um I mean it's it's really fortunate that she was an evil, evil villain and that nobody can prove that he did this so he won't suffer any consequences for it. But on the other hand that also makes it really hard to internalize this as a lesson because I mean it it doesn't hit hard when it has no negative effects to do something that you come to realize after the fact was really fucking bad and as an example of that i literally did not remember this conversation when i was reading this chapter again it was like reading i was reading it for the first time because it just it didn't matter june doesn't suffer any consequences like if if he lost something that mattered to him if if Finn had died because of this or or he had lost even an entad like ropey or amaryllis was permanently maimed like any of those we would be like wow june you fucked up and you paid a price and we're going to remember that but this was like yeah you fucked up you shouldn't have done that boy it's a good thing you got away with it now let's uh just forget it and move on with our lives
1: yeah i mean so to take raven's point first you know that um you that june jumps to you know altering zinnia's soul before it was necessary and in the end gained nothing from it like i um i think she makes a good point like i, I don't think Zinnia was going to talk no matter what but um they jumped to the idea way before it was necessary when they were talking about like just the guards earlier. Mm -hmm. And I like, like before they even uh, had Zinnia alone, they were like, well, we're going to have to story up these guards to get my stuff back. And I'm like, dude, you can ask them first. Like they're, they're probably scared shitless. They'll if they know where it is, they'll point to it. Like, you know, why are you jumping straight to this? So I think, I think she's on the mark there. And you know, to your point, like, I mean, if I got to choose, I'd rather have my coming to Jesus moment before there are any actual serious consequences to suffer for me or for anyone else. Right. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, like, I I think that's like a mark of wisdom being able to, like, learn a lesson before you have to pay for it. Um, Yeah. You know, you just have to make sure you really come to Jesus and don't just make genuflecting noises. Uh, Like, if you're. I think that's. Oh, go ahead. I think that's one of the reasons that punishment is
0: actually important and because, because it makes you remember stuff. I, 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 the kind of fun quote is stupidity should be painful. But the, you know, when, if people go to court and they're really genuinely super sorry that they did something and they don't want to do it again, I don't necessarily think they should get off without any punishment at all because it's much easier to forget if you don't feel some pain for what you've done,
1: even if you are completely sorry and you, don't want to ever do it again. I, I mean, yeah, and I think that that is the kind of the way our legal system operates. I'm not a lawyer, but um, you know, if you, I think that if you go in and you're not showing remorse, and you're showing contempt for the court or whatever, and the legal system that they're not prepared to give you any leeway. But if you go in and you're obviously, you know, moved by what happened, and you know, like I'm thinking of somebody that uh, was in my sister's grade, who's two years older than me when she was in high school, he was at a party. And like drove home at five in the morning, you know, still drunk and hungover or whatever from the party, and swerved into the bike lane and killed some woman who you know was a oh, mom. Jesus. She was she was biking in the at, you know in the early hours of the morning, and yeah. you know it ruined his life. It ended hers, and you know ruined her family's whole life trajectory. Um, yeah, and he was obviously you know I, I don't think I ever met the person, but from what I vaguely recall, uh, he was obviously destroyed over it and felt terrible. Um, And so like, that's, that's kind of where like this, this is like my cool little shortcut. Like I don't have to drive drunk and kill somebody uh, before I can internalize the lesson of like, never drive drunk. You know, you'll, it's not going to be fine. Um, Yeah. So, but the, uh, I guess like if he came in, you know, it was like his third time, you know, DUI or whatever, then yeah, they're going to throw the book at him. Right. Right. So I think that's, uh, it's like that that's just the hard thing with like legal stuff is you can't read people's minds um you can't really tell if they feel bad Mm -hmm. you know this whole time we thought hyacinth was acting right yeah and it's looking disappointingly plausible that she wasn't and so (laughs) like like now we're assholes in fact one of my (laughs) notes i think from either last week or this week was like uh, oh yeah it was when she said she miscarried And I was like, "Oh, you know how convenient." And then I put in parentheses, "Like if she actually did, I'm going to feel like an asshole." (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) Um, and
0: then you read the chapter, we're like, "Yeah, she was poisoned to miscarry." Yeah.
1: So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it you got to be able to actually know where they're coming from, and since you can't, you know, you got to just do your best.
0: Well, let's uh, let's get off all this uh, noise and instead go on to uh, Raven saying that. you think that other people shouldn't take joy in snappy one-liners. There's a reason they show up so much in plays and books. It's just that doing it is a sign that something somewhere has gone wrong for you. She's saying that, you know, since June was having these snappy one-liners and funny quips in the middle of their duel, that it was a sign that there was something deeply wrong with him. And I just want to really strong disagree with her there, because I think it's a sign of intelligence and humor. Uh, which are both positive traits, and you want to signal those. So I, I don't see why having a snappy
1: one liner in the middle of a duel would be a sign of something bad. <laughs> He's like, Yeah, I wrote a bunch of them down. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, in our awesome black and white morality stories, 100% agree with you. Uh, okay. You know, in real life, I imagine a circumstance where I had to kill somebody, you know, somebody who deserved it or somebody in self defense. And I don't think I'd want to be the kind of person who laughed, you know, at a joke that I made before I shot them. <laughs> <laughs> right
0: okay that's a good point yes
1: and so like no matter oh, how wow. much yeah now when
0: you put it that way
1: yeah it so again in stories it's completely different um yeah but you know someone breaks into my house you know say they kill my pet you know they're, they're, you know, they're robbing me and they they needlessly you know kill my kill my cat um even mm. just saying that gets my blood boiling this angry thing you're talking about sounding more and more tempting um yeah. you know if I could think of something funny to say before I shot them in the face, cause they wouldn't leave, you know, They're, like they kept, they wanted to come up this to come up the stairs and, you know, come into the room where we're barricaded or something like, yeah. you know, do I say like a, a Clint Eastwood line before I shoot him in the face? Like, I don't think I'd want to be the kind of person who would relish that moment. Um, mm. But, you know, again, June's got this whole psychological, like, f- like layer that we don't have to fuck with like the game layer, right? Mm -hmm. He's getting so much feedback that he's had his entire life from playing video games where no one's actually being hurt. Yeah. And he's getting that here. And so he has to remind himself like consciously like, Oh yeah, this stuff matters. And even that, I think he's kind of doing unconsciously because he doesn't want to think about it. Um, It probably does matter. I think these people probably are sentient, but there's a, there's a real possibility they're not. Um, But he's erring on the side of, of caution and assuming that they are. And I think that's smart. But mm-hmm. like everything in his lived experience up until he got to Arab is like, oh, yeah, when I get notifications saying, you know, uh, quest completed, it means that I'm playing a game with no moral repercussions. Yeah, he doesn't bring that up as a defense. And I, I don't know how that conversation would quite go. Um, but I think it is just like another layer to look at through like the shit June's putting up with to, to manage to juggle all this stuff. I and, don't think Raven would appreciate it at all. She'd be like, it's not a game for me. No, no. I, I, and I, I don't think that, that it's a, like, it's a defense where he'd be able to say, look, you know, it's a game. Um, mm-hmm. but he could say like, look, psychologically, every time I've, I've had this kind of feedback, it's been from stuff that didn't matter. And I have to yeah. go in and consciously orient my like morality meter to come on because it's just not wired to come on in these situations. Um, I was going to, you know, kind of like build the argument up but then i think about it and i'm assuming arthur had the same interface and apparently he tried to act like a moral paragon so you you can take this either way you know i think june is just yep. expressing his actual personality yeah so you know which is fine because that's you know malleable and he can become a better person that sort of thing so yeah yeah and there's there's no way you could keep suppressing your personality i think for
0: this many weeks over this much stress so it's coming through totally june does uh kind of defend himself saying that you know the the lines were kind of funny in a dark humor way uh and i personally think dark humor is actually really important and a thing that helps humans in general helps us get through dark times and potentially diffuses anger and prevents violence um i do think it can go too far uh I know a lot of Eastern Europeans, and I kind of think if they had less dark humor, maybe they wouldn't be in as bad of a situation because they would have more violent reactions to the uh, the oppression that, that they, they put under by their – or were put under by their governments. But, you know, on the other hand, maybe the people who got more upset and had less dark humor were all eliminated by the governments, and so by process of elimination, these are the people that are left. I don't know. It, it does help you cope, though, when things are total shit.
1: Yeah. You know, we talked about this, uh, last week with like healthcare humor. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you, you joke about, you know, and, and not like in a, in a mean spirited way, but you, you kind of, it's your way of coping, right? You keep things at arm's length yeah. by, by making a joke, even knowing it's heavy. Right. Um, but yeah. when, when I read that line, uh, it's fun in a dark humor kind of way. Um, I, my, my actual comment was like, was, quote, like how being ripped apart by actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf would be hilarious in a not funny way. Hmm. Nice. Uh, just because that was, uh, you know, Greg's phrasing is like, would it be funny if the cannibal killed us? And he was like, yeah. well, not really, but yes. And um, and one chapter later, here comes Shia.
0: And you're I like, know. Oh, shit.
1: I just I liked the the serendipity of it. But because that, you know, that I- that's what came to mind with the, uh, you know, dark humor stuff. I, I realized that
0: we've mentioned humor and joking and ways to cope quite a bit in this episode. And I just want to um, say to the audience that we read these chapters and we took all of our notes before the Oscars thing went down. So this is like really weird. And I almost feel like there was some kind of schlossing event that happened here, but uh, none of this was meant originally as a commentary on anything that was happening uh, in the current day. We were, We were just talking about violence and humor because I guess
1: there is both violence and humor in this work. There's, you know, been a handful of times in this story that have like that incidences have lined up in our time of reading it with like real life events. Um, Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's it's a not that uncompelling point uh, argument in favor of like some divine plan or something. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Some of them line up too neatly. (laughs) Our DM
0: is a little bit too on the nose. He needs to work on the subtlety,
1: right? Uh, you know, it, so Raven moves on to like being a little lighter about stuff. They they, they finish this up, and she says, "You know, you used to be more fun. Um, you know, not even like the the decades where I was slacking off. Though that was fun too. It, you know, I I had this exuberance. Then it's got filed away over time with the weight of responsibility and endless grind of having things to do." And I'm like, oh, no, she's got the crushing burdens of adulthood. Um, no! But she does have <laughs> but a But brief... on the
0: plus side, she got to avoid those for 1,700 years. So that was a good run.
1: Yeah. And, you know, that's that's uh, more than most of us get. Um, yes. And she has a brief foray into being a superhero. Um, Fuck yeah. Nightlight. That's, that's just an adorable name. It's perfect for her. <laughs> it's a terrible name, but...
0: I mean, I, I guess if you're a 12 year old,
1: yeah, if you're her, I think it's actually fine. You know, it it's kind of the exact opposite of Batman, uh, but that's kind of probably what she's going <laughs> yes. for, right? Oh, uh, yeah. So it's, uh, you know, it's not um, quick. What's the opposite of a bat like bunny girl? Um,
0: <laughs> squirrel girl. There, I was gonna say
1: there is squirrel girl, uh, mm. but, uh, you know, it's it's a different vibe for a different kind of
0: hero. Yeah, Absolutely she's she does talk about part of her uh, time when she was there she uh when she was uh wasting her life as she says uh she would get smashed and she points out that it takes an enormous amount of alcohol for an l to get drunk and it lasts for a very long time and she does say she sometimes took harder drugs and i was like oh oh holy shit when an l drops acid she trips for 50 days straight can you fucking believe how intense that would be
1: I think I would just have to be used to the psychological strain of everything lasting forever. Cause the idea of that happening to me is, uh, hell on earth. Um, <laughs> it would be mind warping. I get tired after just, a, I get, I get sick of it after just a few hours. And right. you know, if I'm told this is going to go on until like the summer, I'm like, okay, fuck this. I'm out. Like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. This was fun. Suicide time. now,
1: Right. <laughs> you know, or, or at least, you know, chemical coma time, wake me up when it's over. <laughs> yeah, S- something, yeah. something, but, um, Oh, uh, just quick side note that, um, uh, I was right about them doing something with the flicker blade, mm-hmm. uh, low key Grack is fucking killing it. And it's just like in the background, like this crazy, awesome asset to the team. He warded part of the end
0: Yeah. And just the part that makes it turn back on. Isn't that crazy? That's insane. Yeah. He's doing magic that has never been seen before
1: yeah, yeah and w- we'll talk a bit about that when it comes up but or when he comes in but i just this is where we i think heard about that because uh Amaryllis came in and they're talking about uh he's getting amaryllis's take on stuff and her her short yeah. version is is like you know i'm biased because i'm you know i'm not saying this because i'm your uh your wife but uh and you know i might be biased but uh i, th- I think their worries are overblown <laughs> so oh that, the, the other people in the yeah, group yeah because greg's also worried um yes. so she's like you know i'm 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 not just your biased wife but i think that they're they're more worried than the than they need to be
0: yeah they're like they didn't know my family like i know my family they all needed to die yeah <laughs> those aren't the words she says but you know we know that she believes that
1: in her heart and it's just a cute thing for her to say
0: yeah she does say, and we both pulled this out, so I think I should touch on it just real quick, that uh, June, when she mentions getting married, she says jumping the broom as their, you know, very fast ceremony. And June says, I had no idea what jumping a broom meant, except from context, but I wasn't really in the mood for a lesson on Arab idioms. And I kind of lolled because I'd like that it was once again pointed out to us that June is not familiar with all Earth idioms. And uh, Amaryllis now knows more than him about some Earth things. Yeah, it's it's fun.
1: Um, you know, it's an old phrase. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, June was 17 in like, what, 2018 or whatever? Like... 2017, I think. Okay, yes, yeah, so he was born right around 2000. Like, it's entirely possible he just never heard of it. Oh, yeah. Or... Well, I mean, because then, then you got to wonder, like, then how would Amaryllis have gotten it? So one answer is that, you know, she spent a lot of time binge watching uh old vhs tapes of tv shows right which or are by just def- reading a lot or reading a lot yeah but you know by definition the if it is like watching old tv if it's on vhs it's going to be old stuff
2: mm, that's um, true
1: but you know if we're going to climb our ladder like it could be that she spent years hanging out in the time chamber um or she knows this phrase because she knows all of earth history because she's the dmpc you know oh I mean, this this was That'd a would be up. well Okay, I was going to say it'd be giving up too much, but
0: I see what you're saying, that it was a slip. Well, then again, like, if it was a slip, it was on purpose. I think it's far more likely that she just, yeah, that she just read a lot and knows things that June isn't aware of. Because this is not the first time that June has been like, that's a stupid thing to say. And they're like, dude, it's from your Earth history. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, no, it and if it was a slip up, it would be on purpose because, like, the DM knows all of June's thoughts and knowledge, right? You know, whether or not he can yeah, consciously maybe, remember everything that June knows might be a different question. Um Yeah. Or like maybe, maybe if
0: there is a DM PC while he's playing the PC, it's not, you know, not all powerful, much more flying by the seat of pants and trying to play a role kind of thing.
1: Yeah. He's actually like playing a character. He's not just like leaning onto the table as the DM himself. Uh, this is his character that he's role playing. And so his character yeah. made a reference, you know. Um, you know, the, yeah, it's possible, but, uh, this ties into what you're saying about how Amaryllis was chill with it, but I just like his phrasing. He's like, sorry, I blew up at you and said, we should kill your whole family. And hmm. like, no, it's not a problem. Juniper, you know, um, if, if I ever got that heated or lost my cool, I would, uh, you would try your best to be patient understanding with me. We're partners. And mm-hmm. first of all, that's adorable. And I love it. And second of all, like his thing is like, sorry, I said your whole family should die by my hand. And she's like, no biggie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I totally understand, bro. Yeah, they they got it. Yeah. So he
0: she's got a whole bunch of things to do now. And he asks, so you're not overworked. And she says only in the sense that there's more work to do than there are Amaryllis's to do it. I'm like, ha, foreshadowing since I knew what her virtue was going to be. That's awesome.
1: It's fun. I, you know, I haven't thought, thought like leaned back and consciously thought about the fact that you know everything that's coming already um yeah. you do a great job acting like you don't so uh like you, you see so you, i mean the fact that you caught this as foreshadowing i did when i when you pointed it out i'm like oh yeah but i when i read it my i just i made the note of like she's saying yes but only in the actual sense of the word <laughs> like yes yeah um you're sure you're not overworked you're like well yes uh, you know in the sense that there's too much work for me to do um <laughs> yeah i mean that's that's one of the cool things about rereads
0: is that you know i i didn't know this was foreshadowing when i first read it either i just skipped past it as you know another cool funny thing to say but like four chapters later this happens and then you remember she has that perk for the entire rest of the book so when you reread it you're like oh that's what he was doing love it yeah uh so he goes and talks with grack after he's done with amaryllis and He points out that Groglier has a lot of words for killing, and the one that Grak uses in this particular conversation was a word that was used uh, for death through alteration, usually at the hands of a soul mage. And it got me to thinking that we should probably have more words for death in English, because I think the only new one we have is brain dead,
1: and it's just not nearly enough. I mean, oh, I guess, you know, you could talk about somebody who went through a radical personality shift. You know, there should be a Mm -hmm. word for that, maybe. Um, I, I would like to have some way to refer to, you know, child Eniash, who
0: I feel is dead now. And I would also like to have a different word to refer to Eniash um, after he's been frozen, because that is dead for most purposes, but not completely dead in the sense that there is no
1: potential future at all. So I think we need more words. Th- those two Eniashes are not in the same state that Abraham Lincoln is in and exactly using using the same word to describe all three of them is uh yeah you're right it doesn't seem like enough uh, yeah i just liked that uh um like the second that amaryllis explained how did the thing with the flicker blade i was like oh you know they could uh they could keep the cool house and get rid of the psychopath that runs it um <laughs> and that that's what he's talking about here um i d- that- did so did you think did you think that was a good idea when he said that no it, that? it's it's a uh, it's always good to have a way you know batman had a plan to kill the justice league kind of way right okay
0: okay i got gotcha. you all right yeah got it yeah
1: no no my my you know my actual hope is that val and her little adventure with uh i don't know why i call it little um her hmm. enormous her enormously important adventure with bethel results in a better val and a better bethel and everybody's you know better off after um it's, at it's the same certainly time, little in
0: comparison to what they're doing,
1: right? You know, until they maybe may they'll do something huge, but uh, it, it, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to side show it and be like, oh yeah, you have your fun little adventure while I go do the cool stuff. But that is kind of what's happening. You know, did she throw a planet at anybody? No. Did June kind nope. of? So, <laughs> uh, but be prepared. If Ethel is going to come back and be a psychopath, well, we've we now have the means to deal with her. That is a damn good point. Grack is saying that he worries about exclusion and uh, he's talking about it in the context of like, not only will millions die, but then what will I be? And June wants to be, you know, crystal clear with him. He says, if you lose warding, whether through exclusion or not, you're still a member of this party. You're still our friend and it doesn't get you out of doing your best to live a good life. And uh-huh. I know a plus friend right there. Yeah. And Grak gets loyalty level 20 and, Ooh. I, I pointed out that I was like, you know, it's a bummer that we got this loyalty bump here because it kind of distracts from the moment. Uh, mm. That said, I'm still hyped, but it's great because June and Amarillo's have this agreement that he tells her about loyalty bumps, but he doesn't have to tell her right when they happen
2: because yeah, it ruins the so, moment.
1: Exactly. And yeah. uh, but, he you know, he wants to be honest with Grack And plus, there's no way Greg didn't notice something was up because um, mm-hmm. he's suddenly fucking God now. Um, <laughs> he he basically can just make wards willy-nilly no wand whenever he wants and if warding is ever excluded grack can still do it mm-hmm. so uh it well i mean not everywhere the willy-nilly part but around him right yeah sorry within a few inches of his skin or something um yeah. but like he doesn't need the carefully drawn whatever i'm not exactly we never got a good description of what the wand role play or wand play looked like but um mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not saying they should try and get warding excluded, but maybe they should kind of try and get warding excluded. Um, <laughs> what for? Because then Grack would be a fucking god instead of just way better than everyone else on the planet. Uh, but
0: they, d- at the cost of millions of people dying.
1: Yeah. So, so if we could do it without that, that'd be great. <laughs> okay. But imagine if, if Grack was the only person with this power. Yeah. The power of warding. And he's not just the only warder. He's the best the world has ever seen. Um it would make him that much more formidable. That said, I think he's already invincible at warding stuff. Like anything that was going to kill him is going to be, you know, shenanigans that get to run right through wards or cannibals that can run right through them, for example. Um, Right.
0: I I don't think he needs to kill or or lots of people in order to have these tiny threats, which aren't threats to him anyway, eliminated. That's fair.
1: I just, you know, he'd be just a, a Titan among, you know, peasants if, if he was the only person who could do it. Um, Again, not worth the cost, but it's kind of like if June could still do skin magic, except if skin magic were actually super badass. Mm -hmm. Alright, well, let's uh, you want to dive into Coda 1? Yes, let's do that. Uh, Next chapter,
0: Amaryllis starts out by being uh, found not guilty, and the quest does not update, and that is very worrisome, because it it means there's more shit coming. They ain't out of the woods yet. I I liked that as a as a way to like strike doom into our hearts Mm -hmm. it's it's just a game mechanic and yet immediately the quest doesn't update and we're all like oh fuck the the worst things are
1: coming what what the hell is going on Um, yeah (laughs) Yeah. it 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 sucks because like again this is like the thing he doesn't get to just live his life he's not in the moment he's uh he's trapped with uh the 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 extra knowledge that he's like oh this isn't done Mm -hmm. And, he, you know, he can't explain that to anybody who's not in the party, why he would think that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I mean, to your point earlier from him being constantly reminded that this is all a game and maybe things don't have the same moral weight. This is just like one more reminder, you know, your life is not your own. This is a game. And, but, but I just, I really did like how with that one little thing, he, he could make all of us feel fear. Like with sometimes, um, you get primed in movies with a certain audio cue or visual cue or something. That's
1: exactly what I was going to say. Oh, cool. And it's just like, oh, yeah, it's the it's the scary noise music. Uh, <laughs> you know, or it's the murderer is here music. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they don't know. And, you know, maybe whatever. Yeah. Torture the analogy. But um, yeah. So th- they wrap that up. And uh, then they're out in the hall talking to Hyacinth oh my god yeah okay so the, the speaking about anger again
0: <laughs> uh we we, we in, in a little bit we we start to feel bad for hyacinth but she starts but before out, we have
1: to feel bad about her. we get to hate her a little longer
0: <laughs> yes because she starts out with telling them you know we know you know we would never have done what we did if we'd known what you were and that pissed me right the hell off because she's saying we were only abducting, torturing, and extorting you because we thought you were weak prey. We wouldn't have gone after you if we knew that you could beat us. And I'm like, really? Yeah, fucking really? Every fucking predator on the world wants easy victims that can't fight back, and that is exactly why shit like you should be wiped off the face of the earth. Yeah, obviously, you wouldn't have gone after them if they could fight back. That You always look for weak victims. Fuck you.
1: Yeah, well said. I... I just was trying to think for a second of what to add, but there's really nothing because I think that she's kind of at, you know, her wits end, but she also wasn't demonstrating that high level of Slytherining when she was talking to Amaryllis with, you know, one-on-one when she had the upper hand, you know, Mm -hmm. like, this is a very stupid thing to say if you're, if you went to Slytherin college, Uh, but it's also, you know, a mean thing to believe and be like, Uh, but, Mm -hmm. you know, what is the sense in saying this? And it's like, oh, well, we wouldn't have. Yeah, like you said, we wouldn't have done it. If we thought we couldn't get away with it. It's like, well, okay, yeah. great. Glad you didn't get away with it. <laughs> Fuck you. Like, um, so why would, why would you say that? Well, she's running out of things to say, you know? Like. Yeah. It, and She wants them to move to a second location. And June's like, I have a policy of never moving to a secondary location. Because he's yeah. got street smarts. Yes. And that's from that's policy. John Mulaney's second stand-up special. I think it's called The Comeback Kid on netflix um where he he makes street smarts jokes yeah well he apparently he has school assemblies where some detective uh detective i want to say jj Bittenbinder, but i don't think it was jj um <laughs> he, he would come to like the you know school assembly as a kid and talk about like well when you're abducted not if when um no and you know give like the standard 80s and 90s you know prepare to be abducted at the mall kind of talks that everyone got um but He talked about like never go to a secondary location, and he would yell straight smarts. So I hear John, hmm, I hear John cool. Mulaney in my head, and I am assuming, just given the the perfect like phrasing here, granted this is a, a sane policy. Maybe it's not from John Mulaney's special, but the timing lines up. So yes, uh, yeah,
0: Hyacinth in continuing to make herself look <laughs> like a total stupid bitch says, "When he killed Onion, was that in self defense?" And I am like, yeah. It was a trial by combat. They were to the death. It wasn't self-defense, because either he was going to die or he was going to kill Onion.
1: It was self-defense all three times. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> it was pure and noble all three times, too.
0: Darn Putin.
1: Makes me think that Key and Peel sketch where, you know, they're, like, adventure or whatever, uh, explorers and... Oh, you know, Mm. they. I went to the to Papua New Guinea and brought my lighter, and they thought I was a god, and they came to my tent and uh, wanted to have sex with me because thought I was a god, and I felt terrible. Oh my, I felt terrible seven times. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So that's the tone I was going for there. Um, Yeah, it's great. Like the story does a good job coming up and in the last chapter of like trying to make us think of our enemies as people. Mm. Um, But Hyacinth really. Really and truly sucks. Yeah. And, you know, that doesn't, the thing is, like, and no one actually feels good about it. Even June, you know, didn't have a quippy one liner about her, uh, her miscarriage. That is tragic no matter what. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, everything else that happens to her, you know, you're kind of like on board with because she actually sucks. She, it's yeah. not like Onion where, well, it is because she presumably loved Larkspur. I think she probably actually did now. She probably, yeah loved the baby that she was going to have that i yeah. thought was made up like <laughs> <laughs> that see that's the thing like then then we get this big bomb dropped
0: on us that none of this was an act that like she loved onion he cared for them after their parents died and like not just the way rosemallow cared for amaryllis just using her as a pawn but like he really apparently cared for them as family and And then in the end, she gives her life because she thinks that June and Amaryllis are going to fuck over uh, Anglican Anglican, and she doesn't want them to be in power. And like, I I think she... I I know we've both come to this conclusion, but I think she really was upset in in the room where she was talking with uh, Amaryllis and she was just stupid and did want some closure about Larkspur's death and was still in mourning. And like, maybe she... She did just want her to say, yeah, I killed him just for own personal benefit. Nothing would have come from it except her having some closure. Um, so I, I kind of feel bad for all that, but on the other hand, fuck her and her predator scum family.
1: She so she she sucks, right? We we don't feel bad that she dies because she she deserves it, um, as much as anyone could. Um mm-hmm. you know, we feel bad. She seemed to have loved her husband. You know, her husband was an asshole who was trying to kill somebody for presumably just purely personal benefit. Like, yeah, you know, unless we learn something sinister about Amorello's past where she like deeply wronged him or something, then he was just doing it to make money and get magic trinkets. Um, yeah. So, but you know, she wasn't behind it. It was her husband, and it just was, was how things shook out. So, like, I'm bringing all this up because, like, the like I said, the story is doing a good job of like trying to make us humanize our enemies you know the ones that we just loved watching get fucked over hyacinth onion etc it's like why do you choose such hard targets to try and make us empathize with because they you know they're they're terrible uh, but on the other hand it's like well yeah but if i chose easy targets then it's not work to try and make you feel like you need to humanize them right yeah, yeah. and I, I thought that and was I, just, did, I thought that was really
0: cool oh yeah i agree and i did feel i did feel something for her when i found out she wasn't just an amazing Slytherin that she was just shitty, but also had actually was feeling bad about Larkspur and was still in mourning. Like, yeah, me too. She sucks. But also I felt a little bad for her that I
1: overestimated both how cool she was and how unemotional she is. No, ha- absolutely. You know, Emerilus thought that she was playing Slytherin games and she kind of was. Cause like, you know, she, she got Emerilus to come to Anglican by saying like, I want half your shit and for you to be sterilized. Like, Mm. you know, that, that was probably over the top. Um, and she did it through like political shenanigans of like, you guys went went into the no fly zone. Um, you know, so we got to remember like she, she actually, you know, is conniving and trying to thief stuff. Um, yeah. But, uh, I like how I verbed thief rather than just said steal. Um, (laughs) but yeah, you know, it's, it's tough. Um, I, okay. So this was, uh, that, that's about all I have to say on Hyacinth for now. We'll probably hit that beat one more time in the last chapter. Uh, okay. If uh, But I before we move on to the next thing, did you have anything else you wanted to hit on there? No, I'm good. All right. Well, so she says, you know, to have you come in and there's like line breaks because she's kind of imagine her like staggering her statements because she's kind of emotionally losing it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um there, there was a time when I would have stood aside and allowed our institutions to crumble, looking out only for myself to make the stand against you. I was a shy LaBeouf, shy. And it was so cool because it spells it out phonetically because mm. she's saying a, a sentence, right? Yeah. And then we're, we realize what she's saying because yeah. Alexander's nice enough to throw us a bone and put a comma and then capitalize Shia, the name. And I'm just like, oh, oh, shit. And you know, so so last thing that that Hyacinth did that I do get to hate her for, uh, and this is you know independent of everything else about her because she can't know that she should be hated for this. This is at mm. my level, not not the story. She stole mm. the Shia LaBeouf moment from us.
0: <laughs> you wanted June to to summon this murderous monstrosity? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm glad he didn't because then he'd be having an even bigger thing to have to make up for later. I mean it
1: would have been a mess, but like I'm not saying she done it here. I'm saying like no fighting Fell seed or something. You know, it mm-hmm. dragon's den, trick a dragon into saying it, like whatever, but like no she goes ahead and blows the load of Shia LaBeouf and like, you know, we, we were we were saving that. And don't get me wrong, <laughs> it was still good. You know. Yeah. Um it was I, fantastic. I was prepared to make like a pretty graphic sex analogy, but um you know oh,
0: we, all our minds went there
1: oh good yeah, yeah. you know you, you know
0: you know your audience
1: the longer we were edging the better it would have been and it was still good we still came but you know we, we could have gone for longer it would have been cooler but You're right um uh, you know hey she she brought us the actual cannibal shia LaBeouf. he just shows up just meandering through the he hallways does. naked blood on his face uh it's perfect <laughs> it's exactly how i imagined it
0: it is indeed freaking perfect and they as june tells them at the very start they're playing by horror
1: movie rules now and i just put like all right don't split up don't run upstairs don't say something like man i'm sure glad that's over um am i missing any other key rules i think he meant
0: less you know follow rules that we have set out and more like the game is now operating under a different set of rules rules like shia labeouf can be behind any door or shia labeouf can appear behind you in a mirror, hmm. or. Uh, It doesn't matter how much time has passed. Months from now, Shia LaBeouf will reappear to finish you off if he, you know, maimed you already. Like this, physics no longer applies. Neither does anything making sense, as long as it's cool for a horror movie to do.
1: Right. If this is a hit, he'll be following us for decades, possibly into the future (laughs) while we're in space, right? Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Was it Michael Myers or Jason Voorhees who went to space? Uh, I kind of think. Both, I think, why do both too? When they fight each other in space, (laughs) maybe you know, that was during those nice actually, they still kind of suck, but that was like when they weren't even trying to make them good, I think. Um, yeah, so yeah, they they just went full balls crazy with it. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, paper bag,
0: paper bag. Uh, June calls to Amaryllis, and I have to stop right here. I I know I said I would let you do most of the driving, but gosh, I had to call this out because it was amazing. Um, when we started rereading, uh, in chapter fucking one, I believe he runs, maybe it's two, but it's right at the beginning. He runs into a sheriff's office and sees that the trash cans, uh, everywhere are lined with paper bags instead of plastic bags. And I was like, Oh my God, Alexander Wales set this up from the very freaking beginning. That is amazing. Like it blew my mind when I started my reread. Uh, I had not remembered remembered them at all because why would you? It's just a comment about a trash can that lets you kind of know what time period you're in, right? and then then, the thing that really blew me away was when we started doing that first episode, you pointed out the paper bags in the trash cans. So all our readers would you know remember those, the ones that were just reading for the first time. And I didn't set it up. I didn't prompt you or anything. I I was just amazed that that happened and it was kind of perfect.
1: I think Inyash admits everything was a clue will be the title of the final episode. Um, (laughs) We'll have to wait and see. We will. So I, I obviously can't remember what I was thinking a year plus ago, but if I, if I had to guess, I think I, it's probably just like, you know, I know the story is long, but there's still like a, an economy to the word count. You know, he's not giving us endless fluff. Um, so I'm like, okay, if he's mentioning this, it's because we're supposed to know this. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's why I pulled it out. Like I I, I didn't I had no idea what it was going to be, but I'm like, he wouldn't you, tell us this unless it was important. You know, he's not Robert you Jordaning us, right? Um, <laughs> right. You know, yeah. No, no hate on on it, but it's like, yeah, we're not getting long descriptions of clothing uh, for the fun of it. We're getting it because it actually matters. Uh, yeah.
0: We. God, what is it with epic fantasy writers? Tolkien and his forests and trees and George R. R. Martin and his extravagant extravagant um, buffets and food. It's They all have to just describe something for pages on end in every book for some reason.
1: I think you're the one who told me the, the rule about if you're reading Lord of the Rings and you see the word trees, you can just skip a page. And if that also says trees, you can skip another page. <laughs> yes. That was from Zeke originally. Oh, I love it. That's, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So... I got to say, like, almost all of my lore from the Cannibal comes from the song, um, Mm -hmm. which I've heard probably 200 times. Uh, Nice. Like, I've got a a playlist of songs that plays in the shower. And the song, I first heard it going on 10 years ago. So it's not like I listen to it all the time, but it's made its rounds, right? Um, Yeah. And... Uh, there's nothing in there about a paper bag. So I was trying to guess what this could be. And I remembered that I read the rules to actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. Uh, like, cause there's the actual, you know, tabletop game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I know that the characters bring things with them, but there was like rules against some of the things, you know, like mm-hmm. not a gun, not a cell phone or whatever, but I didn't think that there was a paper bag. So I couldn't remember what this was about or if it was hinted at in the actual real rules or if they just made it up for this. I assume yeah. it was for this. Um, but I, I was uh, I was just trying to like think out loud about like what could the bag mean. But it's so amazing what it turns yeah. out to be. Um, yeah. So we, and yeah. Well, I, I mean, and in addition to
0: that, like later on, the the paper bag thing is brought up again. Like I think a hundred fifty chapters later, where uh, we're in the infinite library and library. And uh we hear about how they have suppressed plastic magic on at least one occasion, maybe more than once, because it, you know, ends up taking over the world. Uh, and that is one of the reasons that we don't have plastics. And, well, that is the primary reason they don't have plastics. And that is why paper bag liners are used instead of plastic bag liners. And that's, like, kind of subtle and genius as well. Because, like, <laughs> Alexander Wales starts out with this these disparate world-building things. And he's like, well, okay... I need to have paper bags everywhere for the Shia Buff fight that's gonna happen mm-hmm. in 190 chapters. And how can I do that? Okay, well, they they don't have plastics. Why don't they have plastics? Okay, because of this infinite library thing, and like all of that disparate world building all came together and was in there from the very beginning just to give us the actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf rules being implemented in a a reasonable way in real life. Or not in real life, but the in real life rules of the game being implemented into this game and it having it make sense. It was great.
1: Yeah, I remember they also it was also brought up when he was uh looting Silmar City, like getting real clothes and stuff. And okay. I, so like it was a beat that was hit a couple times early on in the story. Um mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean, like you said, I I, I just took kind of like the, the plastic magic thing as its own explanation. Mm-hmm. and i'm like okay yeah that explains it you know he wanted a way to like kind of set up the fact that like yeah behind the scenes you've been working on you know like some stuff's out of the out of off the playbook plastic computers etc right um mm-hmm. so i thought i thought it was kind of just doing that but uh no you it's like we're gonna need plastic bags every few feet just in case um and it's it's perfect uh um, yeah and we get a flashback. So we start out. Yeah.
0: We get a flashback, and uh we hear in this flashback that the rules to actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf imply that you if you have a plastic bag if you have a paper bag, sorry, you can trap him. Uh, and Raymer asks, why? And then Arthur says, All right, d- d- for your reason, do you want Doylist or Watsonian? Answer. And like, I I love that I, I just had this whole rant, and then right after that we have this flashback everything that i just said about the watsonian reasons for why there's paper bags um he now explains to the reader the difference between watsonian doylist reasoning and and points out like literally tells us as the reader the reason you have paper bags everywhere is because it's in the literal actual cannibal rules mm-hmm. on our reality so that is the doylist reason that the, the 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 reason that it's in worth the candle is because it was in uh actual cannibal shia Buff. and that's the only reason but the watsonian reason is all this other stuff that explains how it happens in universe and it was it was perfect it was the complete meta and explanation and everything that i expect from worth the candle
1: and i this is why i read this book it's fantastic it's great it's it's meta it's great a storytelling and just to make sure i i follow the watsonian is the in-universe explanation and the Doyleist list is the level above right? Uh,
0: yes because arthur Cur- conan doyle was the author of sherlock and watson was the character within sherlock who explained why things were happening in the in the i was about to say
1: game world right. in the in the story conan or doyle wrote watson as a character who wrote the stories of sherlock holmes and yes. so yeah so as one level higher that yeah okay i, I just want to make sure I at some point i'm going to like try and bring that up and sound smart i know i'm going to get it backwards. Um, so <laughs> if you want to sound really smart, you get to say diegetic, but uh, I think that's a stupid word. And I like die- doilist and Watson better. You know, I actually, I knew that word cause I looked it up cause it was in an episode of Archer, um, mm. where Cheryl, you know, like she's crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she, she hears like this ominous music and she's like, just relax. It's non-diegetic. And <laughs> I had to cool. look up what, what the fuck she was, she was talking about. So she, mm. she can hear the ominous music. <laughs> but she's like okay nope that's not real it's fine (laughs) yeah yeah um so you know kind of like with the onion fight you know short of doing a play-by-play there's i don't i'm gonna have to pull out a couple highlights but i don't you know i if i were to try and like go over or summarize it i wouldn't be doing it any justice you got to just read this shit and y'all did so um yeah like he's as insanely overpowered as we could have hoped um Mm -hmm. to the level where you'd call bullshit except it was built up like this right um mm-hmm. and so it's like no he's he's as scary as we thought he would be and the thing is the the paper bag it's like no we need we need a a you know a what is it, like superfoods or something super one foods is the one that he gets over his head okay and like a so side picture like whole foods right cuz we've got some of those in our closet where it's like or in the pantry downstairs so i throw trash in like grocery bags and then take that out of the dumpster rather than use the trash can cuz i'm lazy um and well and, <laughs> cool. and like like a, all right, just to defend myself. Actually, no. Reusing plastic bags is that's the appropriate way to do it. Um, yeah, you know, reduce, reuse, recycle. Recycle is third exactly. for a reason. Um, yes. But uh, you know, like I threw away a banana peel before we started recording. I'm not going to throw that in my trash can that I empty once a week. Yeah. It's, it's going to reek, so I'll throw it in the, in the bag that's on the counter that goes thrown out every day. So anyway, exactly. He the we've got this guy you know rampaging through. Later on, he's fighting. You know, like they basically. Endgame summon an army to fight him and mm-hmm. he's just walking around killing all of them. And he stops him by putting a whole foods back on his head. <laughs> and he just like stops. He's like, Oh, whoops, okay, yeah. I'm I'm deactivated now. And like <laughs> All they need to do is don't open shy surprise and like <laughs> the, the the problem is solved <laughs> like so yeah. it's it's amazing that this is the solution and it's so funny and I don't if it's if it's like making a narrative point I I have no idea what it is I I just find it positively delightful. Um, yeah.
0: I I I I think it was just supposed to be an awesome badass
1: fight. Good. Yeah. Well, and the thing is like something about it is more badass than like him, you know, it if he had dumped his uh stats again so he could get two-handed weapons up and he did like the the perfect strike again or something uh, actually mm-hmm. no it hasn't been a week he couldn't but hypothetically if he could like that would be fine and that'd be fun but the fact that it's this stupid is hilarious and awesome in its own in its own way mm-hmm. right so absolutely <laughs> there, there's not much else to say about it um th- this part might ends here he, he gets shy a mile above the ground and they're up there with still magic because he used the ring he's got the bag over his head And he's like, oh, I did it. And then no quest update, which, as he points it out, is always (laughs) bad news. And Mm -hmm. then you see the dragon. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you know, this dragon has to, like, be in the loop on this thing, right? And I was like, oh, wait, he's above the no-fly line, isn't he? And then June's like, well, it's been a while since I did any math. This is the next chapter. You know, been been a while since I did any serious math, but I was pretty sure a mile was higher than 300 feet. And I was like, well, math checks out. I guess so. And this fucking guy yeah uh toml the gold dragon who's been just you know i fucking june this whole time just waiting for an excuse to set him on fire apparently mm-hmm. i thought he was just watching you know what is he up to we've got an invested interest in this possibly uther pendrag character but no mm-hmm. he's just sitting up there with an itchy trigger an itchy trigger finger and uh june yells at him he's like you know go away he'll kill you and he's like yeah. but fuck i wouldn't believe me either and <laughs> right <laughs> A
0: short, naked dude with a bag on his head?
1: Yeah. <laughs> and,
0: I'm a fucking dragon.
1: And so without any preamble, he shows up and tries to, well, he he sets them on, he, he blasts them with dragon fire, which is not your, you know, not your run of the mill fire. Um, mm-hmm. June says some line later about like how he wasn't as godly in this fight as he was during the onion one. And I'm like, I don't know, man, you tanked dragon fire. Um, mm-hmm. granted, you might've lost that Vambrace. I sure hope you found it. Um. But, like, he switches clothes and, and survives it. Unfortunately, the paper bag is permeable to fire and yeah. doesn't survive. So Shia LaBeouf uh, is is back in action. And I was like, fuck it. Turn Shia around and have him fight the dragon. Um, and he does. Th- yeah, that's, that's what he does. And Tommel was flapping <laughs> his wings erratically to keep a constant altitude. Shia LaBeouf was on fire and punching a gold dragon in the face.
0: <laughs> fucking awesome.
1: Am I am I misremembering anything, or is that the best physical comedy that we've seen in the story so far? So,
0: well, um, I have an interesting comment about that. Um, while I'm talking about it with you, I am having a great time. I am laughing. This is like fucking hilarious. But like, I have this thing where I take I, I don't have problems taking ridiculous things in fiction seriously. Like, I, I saw the uh, South Park episode recently where Cartman has his various dolls uh, killing each other. And then it, one of them turns on him. And, like, I, I, actually thought, this episode. <laughs> I actually thought it was, like, really good and, like, really cool and creepy. And, like, I love Rocky Horror Picture Show just as a legit movie. I think it's a good movie. And, like, when this whole Shia LaBeouf thing was happening, like, I, I took it as I, I was... The whole time reading it and experiencing it as a horror movie with this Mike Myers type person running around and like, yeah, sure, it's Shia LaBeouf and he's naked or something. But like I to to me, this was all like, oh, my God, horrific, just awesome horror scene stuff. And uh it, it, I, I did not find it funny at the time. I, I just found it amazing and enrapturing and like a cool horror movie thing.
1: Okay, I see. I think this has been the why we haven't been on the same page about like why I kept wanting June to you know pull Shia LaBeouf out of his back pocket, or you know I was excited for him to do it down the road. It's because mm. to me, it wasn't a horror event. It was a it was going to be like a hilariously violent event. Um, oh, okay, and so it wouldn't it wouldn't change it to a horror movie. It would change it to like I don't know a a serious action movie, but that's like stupid funny um Mm -hmm. and i i kind of like the fast and the furious when they took a car to space um yeah so like i was picturing like that but you're picturing horror movie i think that's the that's the different vibes we went into this with and so yeah and i mean yeah I, i assume that you're
0: reading it more correctly because like objectively when when you lay it all out to me i'm like yeah this this is actually funny but i just i have this thing where i get into stuff and i'm like dude it's fucking shia labeouf an actual invulnerable cannibal this is horrifying he he just crushed through someone's leg. He's ripping people apart and eating them. Like it was. I I don't know what's wrong with me that I take things too seriously sometimes and just uh, at, at for face
1: value. No, no. I think that it's. Uh, you know, I do that with stuff too. It it depends on the thing. It's great. Um, it's just different ways of experiencing the same thing. Which honestly, the fact that we're we're reading this through two different uh, tints of, of lenses and enjoying it nonetheless is just that's. That's a plus storytelling. Hell yeah, yeah. Um, you know, at, I don't know what exactly he was hoping to accomplish, but I loved that he did it because it was hilarious and was worth a shot. As like Shah is eating his hand, and they're falling from the sky, he's like, "I liked holes." <laughs>
0: <laughs> See, that's why I think you are right in interpreting this as the somewhat comedy scene.
1: The thing, so yeah, we have to. But he's
0: also eating his hand in front of him, like that's horrific.
1: No, totally. Um, yeah. and, and june is operating on horror movie logic right like mm-hmm. and, and he's right um it, it operating that way bears fruit but i guess what we need to what will be the definitive proof is when they no doubt make a probably a netflix series um maybe animated just cuz it'd be cheaper when they turn this mm-hmm. into a show mm-hmm. uh, if they put funny music or scary music for this fight then we'll then we'll know okay or we i can really ask hope they get we could, I really hope they
0: get actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf or not actual cannibal, <laughs> the actual Shia LaBeouf
1: to play himself. If it's live action. I, I would certainly hope so. I, I kind of wonder if he will ever become aware of his inclusion in a story like this. Uh, this probably isn't the only story that has cannibal Shia LaBeouf, but
2: I'm prepared <laughs> to say
1: it's the best one ever or like the best one that yes. is out there. Um, At least as of the time of this recording. Yeah well you know maybe true forever we'll 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 see um i would like to see another story do it better um anyway like challenge accepted perfect um i anyway i my my random thought when he was yelling at that at him was just like you know maybe shy is a disgruntled dream skewer pc and this is how he chose to spend his playthrough like
0: nice like
1: i don't think that's what june is going for i think he see that's the thing is i don't know if he's trying to be funny or if he thought it would do something but if it was going to do something, that's the only reason it would work, right? Because like this, Shia LaBeouf is aware that you know a few years ago he was in a movie called Holes. Like, oh, that's a damn good point. <laughs> it's, it's insane. I fucking love it. Um, yeah. They so uh, he. I thought that he killed Toml, but he just like floored him, and he crashes into Gray Chapel. I,
0: I thought the same thing. I was so disappointed when Toml lived through it later. Yeah, it's like, oh man, I thought the fucker was dead
1: yeah i you know fingers crossed um you know june gets to kill him later but we'll see
0: um, and at least he lost an eye
1: yeah um uh, but it turns out when you when you crash into a folded space it like just explodes outward which makes sense um mm. which must mean that sable is like uh magically reinforced mm. right um you know i've i've heard gloves doing random stuff so oh yeah good point yeah um uh, you know, he wore it during but a sword a fight. If, you- if, uh, if could you imagine if um, Onion nicked his hand that had Sable Ooh, on it, boy. and it just spilled out the entire contents of this glove that, you know. <laughs> There'd be like, what, a hundred bodies
0: in there now in various stages of decay?
1: Oh, you wouldn't be we'll able to see them under the, like, oh, the probably literally cubic mile of shit that they've got in there, right? So- <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, Amaryllis is screaming, you know, use the paper bags, and, uh, oh, yeah. She lost a fucking arm. Yeah. And uh,
0: like a badass just keeps going.
1: Yeah. It's like just immediately keeps trudging forward. Um, That was another funny thing, too, is, you know, June grabs the bag when they first see him and like goes to try and get it on him. And Shy just punches through it and hits him in the face and knocks him out. It's like it's kind of funny, but it's also like, okay, yeah, it's not going to be that easy, man. You had to know that. Um, Mm -hmm. But you but you can't not try. Right. Mm -hmm. Just like in every horror movie. And it's like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to shoot Michael Myers. Will that work? No. But what else am I going to do? Not shoot him? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just give up and die? Exactly. Uh, yeah. But they do manage eventually to get the bag on his head. Yeah, they get him again. Um, I, I had to pull out because I didn't do it in order. But I, it was like, oh, yeah, he gets shy surprised when he's looking for him. Uh, yes. He opens the door and he's right there. And Mm. I was thinking like, cause then he wanders off shy does. And he's like, Oh, I can't hear him. And I've got really good hearing. And I was like, you know, you could just yell his name over and over, but you know, he wouldn't come back to the door. He had like Kool-Aid man through the wall behind you. Right. Yeah. So like that, that wouldn't, you, you can't trick him. Um, Mm. But anyway, I had to, I I had to hit that beat because I read all that and I put my notes together. And then that night uh, you know, prepping for the episode, I put that song on my shower playlist and I realized that Dune did have to fight him while blood was draining fast from his stump leg. And. Oh, nice. Because I was, I was thinking, I was like, you know, Chai didn't get down on all fours and chase anybody. Um, they, they didn't like get into like a jujitsu fight, really. He didn't stab him in his kidneys. Um, so like some of the, like a lot of bits from the song didn't get in, but he did fight him with his stump leg. So.
0: That's right. <laughs>
1: the, you that know, you were just. There.
0: You were just saying that, like, uh, Shy walks, wanders off somewhere, but he can't hear him anymore. I sort of wonder if, like, somebody opened a door somewhere else and he teleported over there as a Shy surprise thing, which is why
1: suddenly he was gone and June couldn't hear him. Oh, damn, you're right. And that's a drag because it means that you're probably right in that if they were to try summoning again, summoning him again, it would probably work. I would imagine so. Yeah. See, I, I I hope that the fact that the bag is on his head, he is just deactivated now. Um, I think he's deactivated until he's summoned again. I, I wonder, you know, if you can summon him with the bag on his head because he's just, like, turned off. Um, but, you know, th- you're right. He is teleporting. Like, he, d- he didn't just happen to be in Grey Chapel, right? Uh, yeah. So, yeah, he, he, he's he gone because he didn't walk down the hallway. You're right. There was another door for him to jump out of. God <laughs> <laughs> Goddamn. <laughs> so yeah they get the bag back on his head uh june does some more he's got the Mome bones for um antimemetics and the unicorn bones for save scumming and it's mm-hmm. fucking tight and it works both times actually to get the bag on shy's head yeah Shaya. actually i just learned it was pronounced that way
0: um i also learned it from worth the candle i had thought it was shy before i read this and then ha- ha- hyacinth says i was a shy a la buff
1: and i'm like is there an extra A in there? And it turns out no. No, that's just, that's actually how you say it, Shia. Um, Weird. I know, it's, everything I believe is false. And then, you know, I listen to that song again, and I'm like, you know, it just sounds like they're carrying the the, the syllable. But no, they are saying Shia, surprise. Mm-hmm. Man, you think you know stuff, and then your whole world is turned upside down. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where were we? So yeah, Toml sticks his... Knows where it doesn't belong and isn't invited. Um, but fortunately decides uh, he's going to step back. Yeah, it's almost, you know, this is again, I'm sure this is some narrative purpose for him doing that. Was it just like kind of give us like the, you know, you know what it was? Um, if I had to, if I'm going by horror movie logic, it's the mm-hmm. the final scare.
0: Yeah, that he stands back up thing.
1: Right. Like I haven't seen Scream in 15 years, but that was like the whole thing for the movie, right? It was a meta horror mm-hmm. movie. Um, mm-hmm. and they even talk about like the, you know, the, the, I, I don't know if they call it the final scare or something, but something like that. It's like, no, you're going to think you won and then you didn't. And then you'll have won.
2: Um, yeah,
1: this was kind of just waving at that because if he had blown the bag off his head again, then I would really hope that they would just open war on all of dragon kind until <laughs> they all like knelt down and apologized for Tom's behavior. Um, mm-hmm. but luckily, yeah, he just fucks off. So June can go, you know, chastise him later. Uh, um, yeah. Sh- Shirk and Bucket tries to argue with uh June and Finch that Anglican gets to keep this weapon
0: and Bullshit. Yeah,
1: June successfully tells him to go sit in a corner and shut up because right. I don't trust you guys. Um, yeah, and
0: the Blen and Black are actually gonna keep him contained because that is their one and only job. Whereas you're gonna fuck around with him and try to unleash him like
1: aliens. And through some network of spy tech or something, they were watching this whole thing remotely. And the second that Shy is uh, like apprehended, they just teleport in. Um, yeah, they, they weren't there to help; they were yeah. there to clean up. Um, yes, but I, I, you know, it. I don't know if we're ever going to need an explanation for how they knew, other than like the fact that, like, no, they're the Men in Black knew everything. Um, mm. it's just, uh, it's it's how they roll. Mm-hmm. Um, the quest complete. Can I read the whole text? Well, try so and stop me. okay you have successfully captured emmy award winner shia labeouf in a paper bag from which you will never escape unless he does (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's just the you know the dm is a jerk for making the hells and causing june june all this pain and whatnot but his sense of humor redeems him a lot in my eyes you can get away with a lot as long as you're having fun and making some jokes along the way yeah i mean you could savagely murder somebody who's just trying to uphold the law you know three times and as long as you're funny about it, we'll we'll <laughs> we'll cheer for you. Uh, yeah. Well, also the guy was a total ass. He had it coming. Oh totally. Yeah. I'm trying to wave my hand you're at You're making Raven. a joke. Yeah. Th- that's why you're getting away with this. Ah, perfect. Uh, so uh the only last bit to point out here is uh Amaryllis lost an arm and an eye. So she reminds me yeah. even more from or even more of uh Guts from Berserk. Uh, did Guts lose an eye and an arm? Yep oh okay within the same two minutes oh wow all right yeah it's graphic uh, that's, yeah. Not, that's not even the graphic part of the scene actually so um I- i'm assuming he continues to murder things in in further issues mm, yeah oh yeah totally he gets like a metal arm that has like magnet in the hand so it can still grip his sword um cool but yeah his arm is actually mm, it's a mild spoiler well actually n- yes describing how it happens is a spoiler so i won't but it's not a spoiler that it happens because it it's shown in the first um the first chapter slash first episode and then okay you get like this long flashback that's like 11 volumes and or yeah. 25 of the 26 episodes of the show so yeah i i basically don't
0: remember that first little piece very much because like you said it immediately flashes back to way different times so I, you know yeah, doesn't have much impact, I guess. Aside from setting
1: up, like you know, the future's really gonna suck, man. I didn't know you'd seen it. Uh, not all of it. Oh man, uh,
0: if, yeah. If you I didn't know. see
1: all of it, then it doesn't matter when you stopped because you didn't see like the last two episodes, which is when everything hits the you know when all the shit hits the fan. So awesome. Um, I, I should go s- back and you, watch you, it you at say some point. that, but it's actually amazingly unawesome. Um, oh. Like, I mean, story wise, it's amazing. It's deep. It's it's intense. There's a reason that this yeah. story is amazing um it's it's got a lot of uh, a lot of the kinds of violence that people don't enjoy, and it has that on purpose um but I enjoy the kinds of violence people don't enjoy. let me that's know. my bag, man you'll have to watch it and then then report back
0: okay all right I mean so the word enjoy is a strongly loaded word. I don't know if I would like enjoy it in in terms of finding joy within it, but i I really like shows that have that more sort of real visceral oh my god i can't believe this is actually happening
1: sort of violence totally and no you're absolutely right like that's why i like horror movies you know it's yeah you know i, I don't like it because like oh this is great i had a lot of fun it's like no it was i was terrified and that was the fun part um yes yeah well let's uh let's smoothly segue S- into 195 <laughs> speaking of horror movies <laughs> family family uh, yeah this actually opens up with a proper note palette is fucking dead um yeah we watched her get elbowed by shy i guess that might have been what did her in actually um you know she's immortal but she's out probably of the story and she's at least out for a while um yeah she's she's now a one day old baby somewhere yeah if they can find her and time chamber her up you know grand but it doesn't you know she's she's out of the fight for now Mm -hmm. it seems like the dm just doesn't want us to have a comic relief companion (laughs) <laughs> i i don't hmm i mean there's there is a lot of humor
0: in the story as it is i don't know why he keeps killing off the the comic relief ones although palada
1: was less comic relief than uh than fen was yeah and she wasn't like a capital c companion yeah. but you know she was with the group what does this do about
0: the uh current theory that palada is being played by the same player that played fen if palada has gone again like That person has unlucky dice. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably it. Yeah. So, uh, Palad is not the only dead one though. Gemma is gone as well. The, uh, the Fox, uh, lady. And June says, what the fuck? She had a whole thing. Fox people and their grudge. I barely had a chance to talk to her. I resisted the urge to ask what the point of her was. And I think that is a good question to ask because it feels like the narrative just kind of, aborted her storyline for some reason. But that also, I, there's a conflict in my head about that because the actual narrative is the story we're actually reading. So is Alexander Wales saying something about narrative conventions by having the dangling thread here just kind of ripped out of the story? I I mean, I came up with some possible maybe ideas that it's a comment about overburdening a story with too many characters and, and, sometimes it's better to just rip them out or maybe it's a criticism of writers that want to do too much and jam too many things in and then can't deliver on all of it. Or I don't know. Is it just furry erasure because mm-hmm. he hates furries?
1: That's why you he had her basically yeah. die twice.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, you know, it's interesting. And some scholar of wheel of time could correct me, but there was like this whole long fucking thing that when they do this part in the show, because it lasts like the, the arc, Lasts over the course of I want to say like five or six or seven books, and if memory serves, it actually goes fucking nowhere. And mm-hmm. like it, the the entire st- and like it's just basically you keep getting like gigantic parts of the book taken up by some moron who's you don't care about and who is who's like a, a, a nemesis that you know you're not even rooting for, her. and then I think she just dies. Um, you know her her ambitions unfulfilled, and like. So, when they do that in the show, they can save themselves a thousand pages by just skipping all that shit. Um, yeah. So, you know, it, it could be that. It, it's a comment on on that thing from... Well, I, I was yeah. only thinking of that because you, you brought up about, like, too many characters and too many backstories and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, this, it, that it, actually it, was a detriment every time. I was like, oh, my God, another chapter with whats their name And yeah. I can't remember what her name was. Um, I, I just wish it was a little bit more...
0: A little more explained, but... I guess those things generally aren't explained either. It just it seems unlike *Worth the candle to to not explain to us what the purpose
1: of this was. Oh, absolutely. No, I was I only thought of that because you mentioned about like, you know, how other stories do that. That was like my main example of like, here's a story that really could have used that person just dying. Um, Mm -hmm. No, I think there there is definitely a lot to read into here. Gemma was uh, brought back into the story and she was brought in in such a tertiary way that I actually kept forgetting that she was there um yeah because she had no same. lines i don't think I, she had a like less than a dozen i think but like once, like once, she, start- once she rejoined the group oh i don't know if she ever yeah, maybe i don't know if she ever spoke Um yeah. so whoever gets to play her in the show won't get paid that much but um <laughs> no i think that like so you know if if arab is just a story that's going to be a lot of fun then yeah it is interesting it, it could be something like you know well, the DM gave you all these chances to engage in that, but, you know, we're past that, forget it. We're closing off that line because I want you to go do something else now because that's, you know, whatever for story reasons. I have no idea, right? Um, mm-hmm. But if you don't look at like the Arab as narrative of uh, framing, but look at Arab as therapy, I think it could just kind of be a simple way of, well, simple, but uh, a not subtle way of saying sometimes you don't have as much time as you would think that you'd like to have with the person to get to know them um yeah and so like if you want to get to know somebody don't wait uh so if, if arab is really just like you know a therapy simulator it could be teaching him that um uh, but as far I as mean, like a story device it's that's not a satisfactory that's not a satisfactory explanation right because we already also had that with fen exactly like fen was the real demonstration of that
0: and with gemma there's like it, it's not a good demonstration of that because we don't feel any emotions for her we don't have any connection to her at all like she just appears and then she disappears and we're like but okay what what was that all about did someone change their mind and forget to schloss her out of the world like what happened there
1: i mean if this is just like sentient characters during a dnd game and like palada was the same person who uh was playing fen could be just that you know Gemma got sick of the game not being in it enough and just left right yeah. She just didn't come back the next week. Um, <laughs>
0: she was somebody's kid sister that showed up for two uh, sessions.
1: Right. In fact, that was basically it, right? And she didn't come uh, back for a third because she's like, you didn't let me do anything the last two times. Forget this, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, that, you know. It makes more sense than the than the therapy
0: idea because then that was just a failure of the trying to get him to do the therapy. Well. So,
1: yeah, maybe that's it. I mean, I think that the therapy thing, you know, because it, it landed with Fen because like it was like, here's what it's like to lose somebody. Um, yeah th- this is making a different point in that here's what it's like to never get to to somebody and I, you know granted that I mean, doesn't seem to be a problem it, that he's really struggling with but no like maybe if it was like his grandpa or
0: something that he didn't know what existed and he was like oh man i really would have liked to get to know him and now it's too late but like he never had any real desire to get to know her or anything either
1: yeah yeah i don't know he's right to to draw this out as like you know a valid line of questioning
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I think I like your kid sister idea. I'm going with that one. (laughs) Right on. So then we find out that Hyacinth did not survive. Uh, When he stabbed her through the vocal cords, she bled out. Uh, And I am going to be suspicious for the rest of my life that Amy um, killed Hyacinth offstage and just didn't tell June about it because she knows June's going to be like, what? How could you kill her? Me, 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 me. (laughs)
1: you and your morals um <laughs> right you know it's funny because this is the same june who was like just defending the fact that he was enjoying like that he relished the moments of killing onion and you know straight up told palada it's like yeah okay look am i stoked you did it no do i understand totally thank you uh, like mm-hmm. that that was his take on her slitting the throats of dozens of innocent people well d- dozens of defenseless people um uh, yeah you know it, that said if Amaryllis, you know, secretly killed Hyacinth, this is the same one who later today will it will be prepared to let her mother's assassin walk free, you know? Yes, but her mother's
0: assassin could still be useful to them, whereas Hyacinth will be nothing but someone trying to sabotage them and destroy them for the rest of her life. There's, they,
1: It'd be stupid to let her live, and I think Amaryllis saw that immediately. That's possible. I mean, it's not like Hyacinth has any you know, particularly damaging information, you know, she might try to summon the cannibal again, but as long as they tie her down and don't let her talk, like she's not going to be able to, um, I mean, if she's going to be tied that. down and gagged for the rest of her life, she might as well just be dead. Well, no, just long enough for the trial and then the subsequent execution. Um, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I figured they'd want her around just to prove beyond reasonable doubt that Hyacinth summoned the cannibal that, you know, cause I just, you know, June's political enemies could say, oh, look, he did it. So he could look like a badass saving him versus saving us. from mm. Right. Right. Yeah. Just yeah. like he was conveniently around when that giant thing attacked Leo. Um, but they seemed uh, someone already at some point said Liz- that that uh, they knew Hyacinth did it. So it seems like that is already the accepted story, which is good because that's the truth. So mm-hmm. um, and then if but if uh, this actually be evidence um of your suspicion of amaryllis because if amaryllis killed hyacinth she would have definitely bottled her soul yeah if she bled out in the glove during the fight um then she probably didn't right
0: oh that's a, i mean i guess it depends on how long it took her to bleed out and
1: how long the fight lasted but i suspect she probably right, didn't check be... on her until the fight was over which maybe didn't last half an hour i thought i'd think about it
0: but it, you're I believe you're right. It'd be highly suspicious for her to check on her in the 20 minutes after she died, but before her soul got to hell.
1: Yeah. So if, if, uh, if Amaryllis has her bottled soul, then it, then I'll, I'll up my estimate that she killed her. But if she didn't, that would be wildly irresponsible of her because, uh, Hyacinth is in, you know, in the loop on a lot of the dangerous stuff. If she just gets down to hell and starts talking about what she knows, she doesn't know everything, but she knows enough to point June Smith as a guy that hell should be worried about. Um, mm-hmm. Then she'll be a ripe su- subject for interrogation. There was also uh, June asked if uh, Lissy survived and Amarilla's. it's actually kind of sad. She just says, I'm not sure, Juniper. And, you know, she has her good eye closed and she's just clearly, you know, worn out, which perfectly makes sense. uh um, Yeah. Lissy's, Lissy would be way worse uh, to have interrogated by the demons, but I would completely understand yeah. if she flipped on them. Um, you know, I mean, it, when you're being tortured, eventually. It eventually is a long time when you have forever. And yeah. you know, they're like, look, we're, we will not just stop. We'll put you in this paradise. Look, we built one for you. Um, mm-hmm. All you have to do is just, just tell us stuff that we're going to get out of you anyway. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think Lissy is pragmatic enough to be like, okay, fuck it um -hmm. you know i might as well but hopefully she's not dead so
2: yeah that would be interesting if she
1: was too if she died it would only be for that hell thing because you know they had like the whole romance thing with raymer um that would all go narratively yeah narratively there'd be an unclosed loop there like well what about that little budding romance um so we'd have to have a good reason to kill her and that hell side plot is a hell of a good reason exactly
0: Mm. Well. Um that is something to keep our eyes open for as we
1: go forward in future chapters. We're clearly gearing, gearing up for some hell business, just because they kept talking about it with that Val chapter, and I think the one right after that. hmm Uh
0: Hyacinth, uh regarding Amaryllis says this regarding Hyacinth, uh, that she thought the whole time uh Hyacinth was putting on an act because it's the kind of thing that she, Amaryllis, would have done. And I just wanted to point out that this is the typical mind fallacy, and per the rules of our last podcast, we must now have a drink. Because it's rationalist stuff.
1: That was me splashing water in a water bottle. I tried to make a noise of drinking. Uh, Excellent. Yes. uh, It, you know, it was typical minding for sure, but it was like super justified. You know, I think Hyacinth probably went to the same Slytherin, you know, finishing school that Amarellas went to. Apparently she didn't, Mm. you know, take notes because she sucked at it. But um, (laughs) it, and also just like in your defense, if if Hyacinth wasn't such a fucking cunt and, you know, just... I just like that word because it packs a big punch, but, um, yeah. you know, if she, it, you might have extended more charity if she didn't suck so much, um, yeah. you know, she, at, at the end of the day, she was the kind of person who was willing to, to kill scores of innocent people to settle a personal beef. Was it scores? I it, what a score, a hundred? Uh, no, score is 20, but
0: oh. she was, as far as I know, she was only willing to kill, um, Amaryllis's immediate companions, right? Well, she summoned the cannibal into the the court. Oh, that do you? Th- well, yeah, that was that was. I mean, sure. I think that was probably part personal beef and part, you know, not wanting Anglican to fall into their hands. I, I don't know how much would of each, but yeah, okay, yeah, that's fair enough.
1: Oh yeah, she she made noises about like, you know, you're going to ruin the country. I don't think that's her motivation. Uh, no, I don't think it's her her final motivation but maybe it like contributed a little bit it could have made it easier to do and, and if that's the case but you're right yeah, i guess
0: it was mostly for scoring a, a personal beef
1: I, th- I think that it probably was um because she well she did try to get them to a secondary location which would have minimized the body count but uh that didn't stop her right uh yeah and I'm, but you know when it comes down to it
0: the the personal beef of killing her husband killing her adopted dad and killing her um unborn child is you know, that, that's more than just a, a beef in the typical sense. That's like an entire cow right there.
1: No, that's that's totally true. And, you know, if if I couldn't kill the person who did that by shooting them, and I could only do it by setting off a hand grenade when I was, you know, sitting next to them on the bus, like, is it going to kill a lot of other people? Sure, but at least I killed that asshole. I can see how someone could do that, but it does not speak good of their character. Um, yes. So, at the end of the day, that was the kind of person Hyacinth was. Um, yeah. And, like we seem to be hitting the, like our enemies are people to beat the last few chapters, which I, I, you know, again, on the one side is a bummer. Cause I like my video game murder rampages to be morally clean and clear,
2: but I, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I really
1: do love the humanitarian theme. So, um, yeah. and it does such a good job of driving it home by having us like really enjoy when these people get their comeuppance and they're like, Oh, I thought this was going to be fun. And like, Oh, now I kind of feel bad. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So they're talking about like, what this
0: means in relationship to the dungeon master and God and the storyline that they're on. June says that a good dungeon master makes plans that can survive the party deciding that they want to do things a stupid way. And Amaryllis says, you think we have a good dungeon master? And he also says, this was usually a point where she would have arched an eyebrow, but she just sat back in resignation. So I think, I don't know, like before she would have said it doubtingly, but now, I think she's really not sure and just wants his opinion. Do you think that they have a good DM? Um,
1: I think that that's that's tough because I like I don't have a lot of tabletop experience. Like he's he's doing a good job from where I'm at. Um, yeah. You know June's rendition of his of this guy's DMing because you know there's not like stuff coming out of nowhere where things are happening for no reason. Um, mm-hmm. You know, of course, he can rewrite history, so maybe those things are happening and we don't notice any incongruity, but it seems like the story is flowing well and it seems like it, it yeah. has like themes that it's hitting. So no, I think as far as all that stuff goes, it's he's, he's a great DM. I wonder if that's really what Amaryllis is asking about. Cause, uh, she kind of maybe worships him. I don't know if she's asking, do we have a person who's good at running tabletop games? Or is she asking, do you think he's a good person? Uh, not like they're talking about it in uh, the context of like tabletop, but yeah. she has her own church of one, uh, that, that maybe might worship this guy. Right. Um, yeah, and also just straight up wondering out loud if the god of the universe is good at his job while he's listening is ballsy as fuck uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah she's probably not worried about offending him though because he, he's god of the universe but how's he gonna get offended at her wonderings he's already reading her thoughts you know there's there's at some point he just resigned to it it's like oh yeah there's no secrets fuck it um, yeah, but yeah I, I wonder if she's if this is also kind of like a crisis of faith for her oh but yeah. Uh I don't know. I do you think he's do you think he's doing a good job DMing? I mean, I, I don't think you probably have too much context from, to answer, but from my point of view,
0: yeah, I'm really into the story. I love it. Uh June is really into the story. He's staying motivated, he's he's getting like a little jaded, but he's continuing on the quest lines and I don't know, maybe maybe things are starting to falter just because June is feels like he's starting to get kind of cynical about things and maybe it's falling into the same trap as uh arthur uther did but at least up until this point like the dm has been doing a heckin good job of of keeping them engaged and keeping the story going and giving them challenges
1: that's a good point and the, the other you know just one level more meta to get me confused after two and a half hours of recording is like we're not experiencing the game we're experiencing june's rendition of his time in the game right mm-hmm. so you know from from where we're sitting reading june's story about it you're right he's he's engaged and that that suggests that he's a good dm right especially
0: he, if the game is specifically for june
1: and not for like a group of friends yeah and i'm trying to think of any times where he's called out and been like this is absolute bullshit you're actually like you're really bad at your job i think he did
0: once but i don't quite remember where and i also think that I thought at the time that June was being uncharitable, he was just upset that things hadn't gone his way.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, from the guy's job of like, no, I'm DMing a story. It's like, okay, yeah, you're you're fine at that. You're just a dick for making hell actually hurt. Um, yeah. So I think that June is having, understandably a hard time separating those two points. Yeah. All right. So they're, they're talking about it, and Grack kind of just weighs in. He says, you know, we'll take some time, process first, and speak with cool heads. And Amaryllis says, my head is perfectly cool, thank you. But yes, we should take some time before we make big decisions. And just got to give Grack props for coming in with a chill as usual. And Amaryllis, that sounds su- suspiciously like something someone with a hot head would say. Uh, yes. I'm <laughs> <Always>. not mad. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> All right. They get back to, to Rosemallows and they get that dope-ass tea that takes no time to go into effect. You feel rejuvenated. Eight hours of sleep, full meal, few glasses of water. He says it it comes with a crash. My first thought reading that was like, I'd pay a hundred bucks per cup for this shit. Uh, Mm -hmm. But then my second thought was like, okay, what's the crash? So how bad would the crash have to be for you to like now to to want this drink all the time? Or at least access to it?
0: Uh, Well, it would be, it would have to be a crash that I couldn't sleep through. And it would have to like make the time afterwards so unpleasant or last so long that it would be uh worse than having those eight hours of productivity or whatever whatever it was that I got for it. The 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 cost has to be worse than the benefit for me to not
1: want it all the time. And I think that's not that hard to do, to be honest. Yeah, that's actually a really clear, succinct answer. And the fact that like I butchered my way through the question, I think probably uh Articulates that it was a stupid question to ask in the first place. Like, how bad would it have to be? It would have to be more bad than the drink is good. Um. <laughs> and I mean, it varies because, like, we
0: um have never done LSD, but if we were to have done LSD, then we would uh say that it's something you want to do now and then, but not all the time because it, it does have a bit of a crash afterwards. And it's just you can't do that every fucking weekend. And it's exhausting. Hypothetically. Yeah, hypothetically. Yeah. Uh, hypothetically, yeah yeah so it's it's every now and then once you've built up the energy for it and it's been a long time and you want to do it again yeah but like it certainly wouldn't be a god i want to do this every day kind of thing
1: yeah well in any case i'd love to have access to it um yeah. you know if i had to sleep through a oh, migraine yeah. or whatever you know that's fine uh um, i mean sometimes you're willing to pay those costs because those
0: eight hours you need them to be very productive right now because something is very urgent and
1: important so you can pay the cost later and it's worth it I forget where I heard this, but it was, it might've been all drugs, maybe just alcohol, but like drinking, I think it was just alcohol. Drinking is borrowing happiness from tomorrow. <laughs> uh, nice. Which is actually not a bad way to put it. Mm-hmm. You know, the more you drink, the more fun you're having, but the less fun you'll have tomorrow.
2: hmm Yeah.
1: All right. Shit's getting real. Rosemallow uh, just comes right out and says, oh, you know, uh, I switched her pills. Well, I had her pills switched like her, whatever pregnancy vitamins. With mm. abortion pills, I guess. Um, yeah. And uh, she she just comes out and says, oh, you know, if it was Larkspur's child, which it might have been, well, that would have been a liability on several fronts. And I'm just like, damn, Quirrell Mallow, you are stone cold. Uh, mm. You know, Amaryllis is uh, a little rough around the edges, but she is remarkably well adjusted for having Rose Mallow as her primary caregiver slash role model growing up. Yeah, I didn't realize just how fucking
0: evil Rosemallow was until this chapter because before this she just seemed i don't know more more pragmatic and quarrel like and not you know like voldemort like
1: yeah i mean quarrel did you know without hesitation crush rita skeeter but we all like to pretend that didn't happen because we liked him so and also bitch had it coming she was gonna write a smear article i mean he, he i i don't know you know even harry is like <laughs> does she have kids that attend hogwarts like i don't think quarrel knows or cares right I, maybe
0: you don't hate journalists quite as much as I hate journalists. <laughs> then,
1: I guess give me some time. I'll have to have a bad article written about me. Uh, <laughs> exactly. All right. So uh, then we lean into the the real the real business. amaryllis says, "What about my mother?" And mm-hmm. uh, I think I said a few weeks ago that like Rose Mallow seems to be like really interested in Amaryllis's upbringing. And that Mm -hmm. it's sure as convenient that she got to raise her. Maybe she had her mom killed. Mm. Uh, So I I, I did say that on the air. Uh, Okay. But I thought that it was so that she could guide Amaryllis's, you know, future how she wanted. It seems to have been more a political beef and that she inherited Amaryllis, like, as a bonus.
0: Again, I'm not sure how the term beef works necessarily. It seemed like her mom was not just a political beef, but, like, she considered her a political existential threat because she would weaken her side enough that she would lose.
1: Right. Let me let me rephrase. It was uh, she she had Amorallis's mom killed, if we we're to believe what she says, um, because she believed that it could well lead to the end of the world if her mom was allowed to continue with her plans. The fact that she got Amaryllis I think, was just collateral damage that she made the best of. Yeah. So I initially, kept- yeah, I had initially thought that she had killed her. Uh, So that she could take out for herself. But it seems like that probably wasn't the primary goal.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I I don't believe her at all that she thought the world would end if she didn't do this. But I do think she did it because she wanted political power. And she saw that she was going to lose it if she didn't do this. So fuck Rosemallow, man. Yeah. um, She sucks. I don't know if you want to. Well, let's go ahead and talk about the civilization breakdown thing. Yeah. So I don't I don't actually believe her, that that was her motivation. But she does put forth the compelling argument. Uh, she says, civilization, as we've been told many times in this book, civilization is crumbling. Uh, all of Arab is falling apart. How much longer until civilization breaks down? We can put ourselves in a position where we can weather the calamities as long as you're looking at the endgame. And then she starts telling them about the infinite library. And my question is, if Rosemella was telling the truth, was she justified in killing Amaryllis' mom? Because if so, I think we kind of got to admit that she is. We we keep saying things like, obviously, June should never be doing this sort of thing. This is absolutely horrible. The only possible justification is that the world is dying, trillions are in hell, and he can fix all that if he becomes God. So it's worth the cost of whatever awful thing he's doing right now. And, I mean, this is also how Uther justified what he did to Bethel. And I think that if we can say stuff like, it's okay for June to hijack a ship and blow away a hundred tongue because of the trillions of lives he will be saving in the future, if he gets access to, you know, what's down in the infinite pit, then Rosemallow is just as justified in poisoning a dozen people to maybe save the world. I mean, I think you're not
1: wrong. Uh, You know, when I was thinking about it, it was like, I was thinking of Dumbledore from Methods Rationality, right? Mm-hmm. Who purposefully let Harry's parents get killed so they could be raised by his stepparent or his not stepparents, his aunt and uncle? Wait, yeah. is that it? It, it changed yeah, how they did it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was aunt and uncle. Just the uncle didn't suck. Um, yeah. So, uh, well, I neither did the aunt. Um, so the the difference is, I guess, like if 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 uh, if Rosebell had slid a book across the table. That was like, this is why I did it. And it's like got earmarked the page where it's like, it describes how, um, I forget, Amaryllis' mom's name. Um, if, if it described how she like was an impediment and then the world collapsed, right? Mm-hmm. It, and it, like if, if she had that book from the Infinite Library, then I'd be like, okay, that is actually super compelling. Because that's essentially what Dumbledore is working with. Um, yeah,
0: but like Dumbledore doesn't have that book he just has his memory of all the prophecies and we got to take his word for it right and why are we taking his word for it but we're not taking Rosemallow's word for it um aside from the fact that you know
1: she gives off evil vibes it's basically that uh which you know isn't fair but we went into method of rationality loving dumbledore because we all loved him from the original books and yeah. when he turned out to actually be the good guy all along we're like that makes perfect sense i'm you know I have no trouble believing this. Um, <laughs> I I believe
0: you. I just have I have issues with this that, you know, whether we excuse somebody killing a dozen people to save the world or not depends entirely on how we feel <laughs> about them in a vague, undefined way. Like, does he look like this bitch rosemallow who's cold and calculating, or does he look like warm, friendly Dumbledore who wouldn't hurt anybody because he's so crazy? Like right. I, I'm,
1: no, no, don't get me wrong. I'm not making that like as a moral argument I'm explaining how I felt differently about these two characters who did basically the same thing. Like, yeah, the, the thing is, uh, if she's right. And like I said, if, if, if even if she, she doesn't get to fully explain about the infinite library cause June just gets to flex and be like, yeah, I was there. Like, mm. you know, I, I've seen that place, you know, to try and bullshit me. Um, and, uh, but you know, Dumbledore says that he did listen to all the prophecies, so like I'll take his word for it. And I'd have believed her that she saw. The bo- I don't know what she was going to say actually, but I, I guess okay. I don't know. Why I'm beating around this bush for so long, or I'm not even beating around the bush. I hit it already. Yes, it would be permissible if she actually did it for that actual reason, and it was true. Um, how could it not be? Right. Uh, it it seems mean, like now she we'll was never doing know it. because she's dead. Right. Uh, we'll, we'll, well, you know, maybe they can interrogate her soul or something, but like. They, they, I don't know. I guess the thing is that I'm, I'm, my only reservation is that it seems like Rose Mallow was doing it based on a probabilistic estimate of her yeah. own and then took unilateral yeah. action to have her, have the mom killed. Um, as like maybe the, the first like move to get her off the playing board rather than something else. Um, no, wait. Uh, she, there was in one of the memories that June's digging through, she was like, yeah, you know, we should send Amaryllis to uh, quills and blood and sure you'd be here less often, but it's actually important that she go, you know, get an education or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So she did try She's to trying like, trying
0: to get rid of her a different way. Yeah.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, it's, I mean,
0: cause like part of the thing is June also only has a probabilistic estimate that he will be able to become God. If if he fails, let's say there's a 50-50 chance that we have an evil end, or a bad ending, a tragic ending in the story, then all the stuff that he did was a huge net negative for the world. And But he's willing to take that risk. And Rosemallow, obviously, probabilistic estimate as well, but she's willing to take the risk of killing a few people to increase the odds as she sees them.
1: Yeah. I think, like, June is basing his stuff on a talk with the creator of the universe, And, you know, Rosemala is basing it off of like her best read of stuff. But if she actually does have access to infinite library books, then she's as in the know as anyone possibly could be who didn't talk to the dungeon master, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, you know, you got to give her a pass if if she was actually sincere about this stuff. Um, The thing is, if she was actually sincere about it, don't you think that she would have taken Amaryllis's offer? (sighs) Yes, I think so, too. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't occur to me to even ask that until I looked down further in our notes that she gets the offer. The offer on the table is that you step down. (laughs) Yeah, probably, yeah. Because
0: at that point, she she could still help influence things a little bit. Um, She could still help the people who are now actually in charge of trying to steer the world away from total destruction. And she turns that down because she can't give up power. So it, it kind of betrays that her true motivation was personal power all along
1: rather than purely the the good of the land it does and uh, there's actually a good analogy or a good comparison for this in the wheel of time um where the important you know magic lady who's been driving the plot for the first few books um is willing to do whatever like supplication she needs just to stay next to the actual protagonist of the story um Mm. and she just straight up says like look i i will be your quiet advisor i'll carry your fucking laundry like just let me be around um uh, oh, she was like amaryllis uh yes but like more explicit and okay uh, but previously she was kind of like bossing this guy around because she had the power to and then he got stronger and she's like i you still need someone who knows what they're doing next to you um uh, gotcha and that that's what rose would have done if she was actually drinking this kool-aid and not just yeah. trying to sell it yeah yeah i i liked so june asks like are you serious you're gonna let her get away with this and Amaro mm-hmm. says i'm thinking about it yes unless you're under time pressure it always pays to think about your options repugnant as they may be and awesome general rule and yes she's seriously entertaining an outcome that doesn't involve another person having to die like yeah. i think she feels bad about how things shook out with hyacinth and she's just like this didn't have to go this way you know, here I am faced with another, you know, conundrum that can just be solved with cutting his stupid head off, her stupid head off in this case. But, um, like, I imagine the quest text would have a strike through. It would be like, cut his stupid head off, cut her stupid head off. Um, <laughs> right. But that'd be perfect. You know, yeah. But she's like, no, I'm going to try the diplomatic option. And not just for, That's like, to cool. test that case, you know, the DM will let that happened, but also because maybe she doesn't want this person dead. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
0: I when i was first reading this and i was like really anxious like i mean this time i knew what was gonna happen but i was really honestly anxious as this was going on as to whether they were gonna kill Rosemallow or not and like not knowing which one i would prefer either it was i found it a really tense good scene the fact that i i didn't care about Rosemallow, but i cared about this decision because it it was a big character moment for them and would have big impacts on the story going forward. So it was
1: just, it was a really cool scene for me. Me too. And it's really cool. Cause like this wasn't a fight, you know? Mm-hmm. And like it, it, there was no battle. <laughs> it was over before it started. Um, yeah. but you're right. It, it, it felt really heavy. Um, yeah, and it, yeah it was, it did a really good job with that. Um, uh, yeah, th- this is, I think the more that Rosemala talks, the more that she, uh, is just screaming at me that she doesn't think that she's trying to save the world because she's like, you push me aside like that after everything I've done for you, yeah, screaming like Norman Osborn. Um mm. and it's like, come on, really, bitch? You don't see the situation you are in. You don't get to make demands. Uh, mm-hmm. You don't get to say you've helped her. You get you helped her because you made her an orphan, <laughs> like you killed her fucking mom, right? <laughs> and you know she's offering you, a, she's offering to let you help. She's going to let you sit in the car and help backseat drive. And not just throw you off, you know, throw you out the highway. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's more than you deserve and more than you could ever hope to ask for. Like, yeah. you know, take it or get fucked. And she uh, decides to get fucked. So, yeah, Emeril uh, is just uh, fucking, you know, to Rosemarie's credit, she goes down kind of like a champ. Um, mm-hmm. She says, no, I, I refuse to take marching orders, you know. I could, but that'd be a lie and it would only postpone this argument to a later date. So let's force it now. And Amaryllis just nods, raises her hand and just flick her blades her right through the head. Yeah. And uh it was yeah.
0: It was it was it was badass and like not badass in the typical way. It was just like the the stone cold like oh damn, she knows what needs to be done and she does it.
1: Yeah. She talked about like how she felt bad that she didn't feel bad that her mom died. Mm-hmm. Um, she felt more just like, "What am I supposed to do?" Um, it seems like her mom was, you know, not that attentive, so it's just more like, you know, "Who's going to bring me food now?" Um, yeah, but I think that she's that she's going to feel some of that weight from this. You know, this was her mother figure for most of her life, uh-huh. and uh, yeah, she, but her mother figure was an evil bitch and used her. Yeah. But I guess you're coming to terms with that, too. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And then thinking, you know, um, spoiler alert for, I don't know why I'm spoiling or alerting for methods of rationality. Um, Harry feels bad having to basically kill Quirrell. Yeah. You know, it's, it's uh, doesn't make it any less tragic. Yeah. Yeah. That's a damn good point. But I just kind of like the, you know, the nod. Okay, well, this was one of the outcomes, and I'm. This is the same Amorilis who punched a crying girl in the face, you know, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. when uh, when she was fighting Val. Like to she make She must her- have
0: decided. She must have decided beforehand that if Rose Mallow turns this down, I have to kill her, and I'm going to kill her, and she did. And then Amorilis was like, "Well, I know what needs to be done. I can't torture myself," you know going back and forth over this when I already know it needs to be done and just executes it's God, she's
1: awesome. Yeah. She's, she is like really good at sticking to her guns and, uh, not fucking around. It's, it's honestly just amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what she looks like. Cause we still haven't gotten a description on the cup size and, you know, height and all that <laughs> business. But <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I, I lust for her, her intellect and her approach to problem solving. Um, yes. you know, it, it's, uh, she, she's, she's awesome.
0: Yeah. And, uh, they store the body inside Sable, which, I mean, they're really collecting a lot of corpses in various
1: places now. It's getting a little grisly. <laughs> Free bones. <laughs> That's I mean, true that. <laughs> they, they, they'll never want for bones, I guess. Um, mm. there was, uh, oh, so they get the, the quest completion. Um, uh, so maybe... This comes with the, the perk at the same time. So I wonder if this wink is about the perk that's going to follow or if it's about something else. Um, oh, I'm sure it's about the perk that's going to follow.
0: Okay. Then, She's being pulled in three directions at once. That's going to be hard unless something were to fix that wink.
1: Okay, good. Because, yeah, I, I I paused after that, took a note, and then I read the, the actual perk. Because um, I was like, that's certainly like a really heavy-handed thing from the DM to like throw in a wink-wink, nudge-nudge. Um, mm-hmm. But in, you know, in the same heads-up display message, he gets the tech, the perk description. Um, mm-hmm. So they complete the quest. Yay! Um, yeah. I was going to be bummed if June like regenerated and healed all of his damage, and Amaryllis is still sitting there, Sans arm and eye. Um, yeah, but he doesn't heal yet, so they're both still maimed. Mm-hmm. Yay, equality! <laughs> <laughs> and she gets an insanely awesome. Um-
0: special ability where she gets to uh, split herself up to 30 times. 30.
1: Yeah. Two. You know, one, one clone would have been like enough to make this like worth a perk. Right.
0: Remember how much we splooged over the end which gave her one clone for yeah. 12 hours. And now she gets 30 clones unlimited time and they can meld memories at any point for by concentrating for 10 minutes.
1: And, uh, you know, bi-directional update, I don't know if she even has to be near them. It just has ten minutes of concentration. Um, like it doesn't sound like she needs to be near them. Yeah. So like once that one's done on its reconnaissance mission, it just needs to go off and meditate for ten minutes, and it, it's you know it can report back. Yeah. Um, yeah. The you know thirty is just mind blowing. I am really curious how they're going to use this. I, I like how it explicitly says that clones automatically roll zero with a total modifier of zero. For any combat role. Mm-hmm. If you try to have her. You know drop a. Like a ticking time bomb next to the enemy. She will trip and it will explode in her face. Like,
0: <laughs> Yes. She, These are not for combat
1: applications. Yeah, they, they will not help in a fight. Um, mm. I, I suppose. You're not helping in a fight. With combat roles per se. If you're a meat shield. Um, <laughs> but you can only shield once. Because it says if any clone dies. All clones die. That's right. Man, still, isn't that cool? This is going to lead to some really cool moments. Oh, hell yeah. This is going to be awesome. Yeah. And it... uh, Oh, yeah. They can be recalled with or without merge. That's right. From any distance. Um, Oh, no, wait. They can be teleported back to her with eight hours of of concentration. Okay. I see how that works. Um, That's crazy. Yeah. Okay. So, like, I'm just trying to grok all of this. It says, uh, each clone takes eight hours to create and no real effort so like she doesn't have to like set aside eight hours it just has to be like you know a background task a cool she make, down. she can make three to three a day yeah yeah so that's pretty fucking so cool. 10 days before they got a full full compliment, a full complement of amaryllises um yeah this is pretty cool oh man okay you know good on me for my mind's not going to this until three hours in and being sleep deprived and hungry uh, mm. if they ever do transition their relationship into sex stuff oh baby i mean that you know assuming amaryllis you know is fine you know fucking around another naked version of herself which i think she probably would be um i don't see why not i don't see why not i mean i guess what i'm saying is june gets to have the best orgy ever right so yeah that's pretty cool if i could
0: have multiple knees and all bang here then
1: i totally would that'd be awesome yeah i'm glad that it took me this long to think of the sexual implications of this perk (laughs) You know, my my mind wasn't there. I was focusing on the other stuff in the story. So Mm -hmm. um, what do you feel about her reaction to getting it? She says that it feels like the kind of present you'd give somebody when you know you've done something wrong. It's like the flowers that a husband gives to his wife after giving her a black eye. See, I did not understand that at all at first.
0: And I didn't understand it until – I think literally like two minutes ago, when you made the analogy that Rose uh, that is killing Rosemallow was like Harry killing uh, Quirrell, because I was kind of destroyed when Harry killed Quirrell because of how much I loved Quirrell and how much I identified with Harry and having to do that, and it just it really sucked. Even though Quirrell was an evil Voldemort, Quirrell was an evil person that needed to be put down, and. uh and once you made that connection, I was like, oh, holy shit. So she feels like me and Harry felt after that. Yeah, no wonder that getting this thing is like, well, okay, I guess I got something. But you still fucking
1: took Quirrell from me, you son of a bitch, you know? Yeah. I was going to say it would be like, you know, if Harry got a Deathly Hallow and a minion after he killed Quirrell. But he actually got the Philosopher's Stone. So, um. And a, a Unicorn Princess minion. Oh, Yeah. You got Hermione back. I mean, honestly, it was a it was a huge win. Um, yeah. I, I guess the thing is, this is more you know because you know Harry pretended like his game wor- his his life worked on story logic, but Amrilis actually does,
0: mm.
1: and so she's like you know I feel like the DM's trying to make me feel better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, that's I think she's losing her faith in the one true DM. You think? I mean, it sure seems like it. It that's it not does, how you describe a it? loving relationship. <laughs> No,
0: I mean I don't know if she ever thought they had a loving relationship, but she does seem to be less
1: thrilled. I don't know if she was ever thrilled is the thing. Like, yeah, she was resigned to it. Yeah, she she always was. Yeah, so maybe that won't change. She just comes like, all right, he the good the the morally ambiguous DM giveth and the morally ambiguous DM taketh away. (laughs) Like, yes, yeah.
0: Sometimes your dice runneth hot and sometimes they runneth cold. (laughs)
1: That's much more that's much pithier and uh that, that <laughs> needs to go on the um I don't know, mouse pad. What do religious people have for swag? Um <laughs> crosses, I don't know. Yeah, I guess his obviously would be dice. Um all right. Well uh Okay, yes. The So she says she's you know,
0: pondering on all this and contemplating her feelings. She says it feels like there's some possible world out there where Rose Mallow would have been the person that I wanted her to be. This isn't the life I feel like I deserved as arrogant as that might be. And this reminded me of a conversation we had way earlier back in the in the show um where we said that lives without conflict aren't very exciting and so they don't make good fiction. So if there was a world where Rose Mallow was a good person like Amaryllis wanted her to be, then that world wouldn't have been written about. And in that sense, like, this world is the only possible world that could exist as a game or a narrative or whatever. So there is no possibility of such a good Rosemallow having existed. But so the, the fact that it feels like a possibility for her is like because she thinks of it kind of like as the real world. And I guess we're supposed to feel about fiction as if it's the real world which i mean that's that's the whole reason we partake in fiction right it's to not the whole reason large some of the reason is to glean lessons that are applicable to real life but because of the fact that anything that could have theoretically been you know nice and conflict free in real life would never have been written into fiction it makes it so that it'll never be truly applicable that way does does anything i'm saying make sense at this point am i wrapping
1: myself in circles yes but you're thinking in portals and it's it's amazing um okay uh it, if i if i think i can summarize you're saying like um this couldn't have happened the way that emeralists wanted because then it wouldn't be a story but we read stories because we want things to apply to our real life but stories can't be like our life by otherwise they wouldn't make good stories so they can't apply to our real yeah. life um, yeah and so i love it 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 is kind of chasing the tail but it's it's uh no i think you're hitting a, a really interesting point and i don't know uh, I, but I don't think it. Because the thing is, I mean, unless I'm, it seems so, it, the thing. I, is, the, the paradox here is that I do take things from fiction and apply them to my real life. Yeah. So <laughs> this, this chain of reasoning <laughs> terminates somewhere that that leads to me being able to do the thing I want. Um, I think what it is is like you know you, you can take parts of things from you know uh from stories um you know the the parts that can apply to your real life and mm-hmm. you you can you can apply those lessons as you know as you want like you know the the parts of methods of rationality i internalize for my day-to-day wisdom aren't how to face down a voldemort in a graveyard um it's it's uh how to communicate better with my friends um how how you handle moral agency with with people and stuff right um Mm -hmm. the, the other thing here too is that i i do think that there is a possible world where uh Rosemarillo could have been the person that Am- Amaryllis wanted her to be. Um, because Rosemarillo was not a main character or, or even a main antagonist, right? Oh, yeah. like Yeah, that could have been something else that shaped Amaryllis to be the way she is. Well, like, literally everything else that happened this week, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. That, that conversation that they had just could have gone another way. And her entire life would have been the same up until that point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it could have just been that she actually didn't kill her mom. And, yeah. like... It, you know, everything else still would have sucked. It still, she still would have had all the suffering that she needed to be the person she is. Um, right. Just not Rosemallow would have been a decent person. Yeah. You know, I guess what this does is takes away anyone that Amarellas can go to outside the, the, the council of arches for council, you know? Yeah. Um, is there literally anyone else she's ever talked to about that. She looks, that she looks up to or you know, learned from yeah. literally no one comes they're, to mind. No, they're all, well, I was going to say either dead or evil, but I think now just dead. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, I, I, I love June's reply because she says, uh, um, this this isn't the life I feel like I deserve, as arrogant as that might be. And June says, it's not the life you deserve, but that's why we have each other, right? To close this chapter of your life and write a new one together. Oh. And, oh, I think I called it at the beginning when it, uh, I looked up the def- definition of CODA. I'm like, oh, this is where they're going to end the book. Um, mm-hmm. cause that is just, first of all, that could have been the last line of the book cause it was awesome, but it's also mm-hmm. just like the sweetest thing ever. Yeah. I mean, it was, th- he's, he's being a good and supportive partner and, and he really does care about her and it's great. I could have stolen some version of that from my wedding vows if I'd read this a few years ago. Oh, that would have been awesome. The thing is like, there's no like bad chapter of, you know, my wife's life that we are closing to start this new one or whatever, but I could use some mm-hmm. language like this. Um uh, mm-hmm. shoot. You know, you were there and you probably forgot my vows because they sucked. I just need to get on the record that, uh, I didn't know the rules of vows. I thought you had to say, I vow for all of the lines and we didn't talk about oh. it. So I, I gave, you know, these cute three short little things and, uh, Rachel went on like this, just, you know, not a dry eye in the house, sweetest thing I've ever heard. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know why vindicating this we can cut this if you want but i just i think no, I, I think this about this good. every time because i want i like you know i don't want to pat myself on the back too much but I, I i actually can be like really sweet say really romantic and thoughtful things and i didn't i didn't do it uh, at the uh, when i was there because i didn't know that that was like the format for that and oh
2: no i know
1: so like at some point we're gonna drag everyone back together for some vow renewal thing or something and you, you know, you know what? I'll, I'll everyone, lay it out then.
0: Everyone who is at that wedding knows you and knows that that that's you would have. That's the kind of person you are. You are living the the sweetness and the and the commitment, even if the vows didn't come out quite right because you didn't realize that's what was going on.
1: Well, damn it! That's about the sweetest thing I've heard all. Mm in a, in a while an uh, hour i was gonna say like all month or year so uh um, oh, well shoot, okay. no that's that's very thoughtful i really appreciate that and yeah it was a small ceremony so you're right the people who are there knew us um yeah. all right thanks for letting me uh you know i think you i've i've brought this up in real therapy but you used the phrase a few weeks ago that podcasting is free therapy yes um uh, so thanks <laughs> thanks for letting me you know therapize at you for free for a second <laughs> no problem I, this i'm assuming um that your wife knows about this as well oh totally oh no i don't bring okay. up my like my hang up about the vow thing that's that's just a thing that happened it's not a big deal i brought up the fact yeah. that you said podcasting is free therapy i've brought yeah, yeah, that yeah. up in therapy and it's funny oh oh that's
0: okay yeah cool. did your therapist threaten to kill me so that
1: i don't take her job <laughs> no no I th- she's super into it i you know i i, I was like in the context of like how I managed not to have any desire to post on social media. Cause I get to just word vomit all my shit on platforms like this every, every week or two. Right. So fucking sweet. Yeah. It's great.
0: Yeah. Everybody should have a podcast instead of posting on social media. I concur. I, I, I third curve that, you know, we have spawned off like four, I think either three or four new podcasts from our discord. And like, I feel bad because I cannot keep up with all of them. There, There's there's just too many, too much reading, too much listening. Um, and I'd like all the people, so I would like to listen to them. I just don't have enough time. And more to the point, uh, when people get up in uh, to start doing their podcasts, they stop being nearly as active on the Discord. And I totally understand that because now they've got this awesome project that's taken up a lot of their time. And it feels great. And also, you know, they're probably getting out some of the stuff that they used to talk about on the Discord on the podcast instead. So all that is good stuff, but I'm still like, oh, I-, I liked that person and I haven't seen anything from Gorky in months. You know? <laughs> That's a good
1: I'm, point. I'm barely on Discord anymore in the last, you know, year or so as well, partly from being busy with this and um Yeah, you're right. Uh but I see less of him when I do jump on there. You know what we'll do is, you know, eventually we'll finish this up and have some downtime. We'll read uh shipping exercises and uh or wait that's the podcast we'll read mother of learning and mm-hmm. listen to the podcast and then we'll get all caught up and be able to do the thing so mm-hmm. and then there's uncultured
0: swine I, there's too fast too furious i was just well, gonna, not too fast too furious <laughs> sorry. Go ahead.
1: i was gonna say that yeah like uh the uncultured swine and the uh um uh shoot what was the one that's now you've got too fast too furious stuck in my head
0: i know me too and that's taking it over it well, was too
1: we've been at this for three hours sorry folks you're yeah it's, it's great and it's a, it's a clever name and it's not it is it's not you it's us uh yeah all right
0: anyways moving on um yeah amaryllis also has, says a sweet thing in return to june she says um if there had to be someone from earth that had their fantasies made into a concrete reality and i had to be born into that world and get to know them then i'm glad that person was you and I think that's a heart that's that that gets as much heart as Amrellis
1: ever really puts out there, right? I I mean, given that's her, that's her that, that is her life circumstance. Um Yeah. You know, so, you know, like I could say that hypothetically about my life or something would be kind of romantic and sweet, right? If I were to say that to my partner. Mm. Um mm-hmm. That's her actual life and she's presumably means it. I think that that yeah. is the like a very uh, that's a giant heart. Um Aww, okay. you know, That that that's that's huge and sweet and lovely. Um, it's June says, you know, thanks. Sorry if you're, sorry, you're in a funk. And, like, <laughs> and, I'm like, you know, he rolled a one on his, on his social reply, but, um, I can,
0: I just say like, you, you said this now, and that reminds me that at least twice over the past few months on discord, people have said, you know, this is what June gets for using social as a dump stat. And I as far as I can tell, I must just have been born with Soch as my dump stat because I did not realize that June rolled a one. I thought that was a perfectly normal thing to say. All those other times when people are like, this is what he gets for using social as a dump stat. I was like, but that what, what did he do wrong? Everything was fine there. I, I think I'm just completely broken in my social... <laughs> reading abilities or something
1: i think you're fine you know it's what's funny is like his social capacity hasn't gone down whatsoever once he dumped out those skills um you know maybe he's a worse liar now i have no idea but um like he i don't know he's been at least as funny even though he's not a comedian anymore um Mm -hmm. but no i mean you know what he said was fine he's responding to her feelings you know she is feeling bummed about this you know calling it a funk implies that i was like oh, you know you know you put in a funk it means like nothing's really wrong you just put out right so it's a that's the wrong word but b he could have said you know well he does say thanks but he could have said thanks you know if the circumstances if the circumstances were reversed you know i'd feel the same or something something he could say that's very nice that's very thoughtful of you to say you know like yeah but you know granted he did maybe he rolled a one a zero would be (laughs) just like him burping or something i don't know but um I think also, like, I must use funk in a different
0: way because I thought, to me, a funk is more like something serious that's kind of affecting your life negatively and making it unable for you to function as well as you would like to.
1: Yeah, I guess what would I call that? I don't know. All right, funk is probably the right word for that. There is a word for where you're just feeling blue for no reason, you know? There, blue? Yeah, that blue is the sad color, right? No, no, no. I mean... Th- that is the word? Wouldn't that
0: just be the word? <laughs> I think, yeah. Right, yeah, okay, That's that's
1: probably it. Yeah, we get real coherent after hour three. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> well, I well, have one last thing to touch on then, if you want to, which is great because it, it it just like uh, our m- my choppy ability to speak here. Um, mm-hmm. That 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 too shall pass. But <laughs> God, that was bad. <laughs> <All right. laughs> you know, it was a valiant effort. I'm
0: leaving it in. Great. <laughs> Amaryllis, yeah, she she says this too shall pass. And June comments on that saying the Bible stuff made me uncomfortable and I felt like there had been more of it lately. And this just came to me as I was putting uh, the book down. I I had what I will humbly call a galaxy brain moment. Um, the DM has created all of reality uh, from Amaryllis' point of view. Like, Arab, yes, obviously, we all are on board with that. We know Arab doesn't exist. But from Amaryllis' point of view, also, obviously, Earth. Like, he created both Earth to have June on and then Arab to warp June into. So if the DM created Earth and he created this monotheistic religion on Earth, and it was the religion that June grew up with, then that's probably, like, a really big clue that it's supposed to be a guideline or a template or something of how to relate to omni-everything gods and DMs. <laughs> so she's. I, I think she might just be correctly interpreting God's obvious clues of how he would like to be thought of and worshipped.
1: You know, so when I read your note in there, I didn't quite understand it, your articulation of it. I think you're, yeah, you're absolutely, given all of that, uh, if I grant all that, that is, I think you're absolutely spot on. And that's that's amazing. It's like, yeah, no, look, I sent you a guy, from the other place I made with the belief system, that's that, you know, there is a reason that he believes that or his, his culture does, you know, I me mean, picking up what I'm putting down and she's picking it up. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that's it, but I like it. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're also pretty sure
0: that the DM did not create earth because we live here.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, um, it might be obvious to Amaryllis, but to me, you know, at the beginning of the story, I thought June might've been playing Roy at the mall. Um, I no yeah. longer think that I, probably switched off of that uh i i don't know silmar city because like you can't be in the mall that long you know um uh, mm. so uh i don't know morty played like what 60 years of roy's life in oh wait five minutes yeah, yeah you're right what the fuck is wrong with me that's all right there in the episode okay yeah earth is obviously real and he's at the mall okay sorry so where were we uh no, I'm, I'm kidding I'm, I'm not very coherent i will whether the dm
0: did or did not create the actual earth we live in
1: uh both for in real life and in this book it's it's possible that he made earth i feel like i had more coherent thoughts on that before um but before we hit
0: the 3 hour mark ah, i should have brought this up earlier
1: no 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 uh let's let's stick a pin in that did the dm create earth have we not talked about that before we i mean we
0: touched it but we didn't like talk about it it was more like was a, the glaze on the cake that we briefly stuck a finger in and licked and then just moved on <laughs>
1: uh, right on uh, I made a note so we'll look at it later um, so yeah let's, let's touch that next week. I'll put that on the back burner um, cool because I feel like there's a lot to go under there Yeah. okay so uh, last but not least we are wrapping up the, the chapter slash book um, they're being cute at each other I like it And, uh, the last sentence is, it was nice to have a new normal between us. It was only a shame that we're going to have to ruin a good day by, or a good thing by facing down monsters. that seems like it's a not so subtle nudge, nudge, wink, wink that like, yeah, too bad shit's going down. Like this could be a thought that he was having at the time, Mm -hmm. or is he talking to us in the future tense? Like you're, you're saying this might be a clue. Well, is this a thought that June is having while he's standing there talking to Amaryllis? Or is this a thought that June is writing down as he's writing his autobiography? Oh,
0: I see. It, you know, it could be read either way.
1: Yeah. It's much more ominous if it's the, the future looking back on the past thing, though. It, yeah. Because uh, then it's basically saying, you know, hey, nice life you got there. Sure would be a shame if some monsters were to come in and ruin it. Um Yeah. And yeah, so he could just be, I if but you're right. If he is just feeling kind of melancholy about you know the way things have been because of the everything about his life right now, um, this this comes back to the is Earth real thing too. So, Mm.
0: all right, man, I'm clearly out of steam. Yeah, we we should find out if there's monsters to come in the future by reading the next four chapters. Yay! Those are one ninety six through one ninety nine. One ninety six notes two. One ninety seven second degree, one ninety eight period interest, and one ninety nine nearest and dearest. Huh. Uh, Purient.
1: Oh, I believe that means dealing with sex. Yes, having or encouraging an excessive interest in sexual matters. Ah, okay, great. So that'll be fun. That, that, <laughs> that's that's all I need for my uh, my chapter guessing game. Let's. I'm gonna we're gonna read to the porn chapter this time. So uh, nice. All right. Well, it really should have been chapter 69. Missed opportunity. All right. I'm sorry. I'm clearly like, I don't know how much this is going to be terrible audio. Uh, My, my modafinil is wearing off. I slept terribly last night. You're keeping it together better than I am, but it's, it's time to, time to call it. I think
0: it is time to call it real quick. We have a Patreon linked in the show notes, support us. So does Alexander Wales
1: linked in the show notes, support him. It's late. Buy his book, uh, buy his audio book and never you know, it's never too late to say thanks to Alexander for uh, making this game so we could play it and talk about it until we're delirious. Absolutely. Thank you. Good night, everyone.
0: Hey there, Nightlight. This is Zini Ashbrotsky. I don't know why I said my last name. Ahem.